love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. And welcome to Talking Football on uh, DAB Digital Radio, online at rocksportradio.co.uk, via your smartphone and your smart speaker. That's using the TuneIn and the Radiogram apps. And of course, you can watch the programme live as we stream on Facebook, on Twitter and on Periscope. It's Wednesday, halfway through the week, which means my usual sidekick is here, uh, Ali Graham. We'll get to him in just a moment. But ahead of that, thank you to Mr McCabe and Mr Horsborough for standing in last night. Uh, Jerry McCabe standing in for Jerry Collins, which means I'm lumped with him tomorrow. And uh, Alex sitting in for me because I just decided to have a day off because I was sick of it all. Uh, Anyway, back tonight and raring to go and... um, First of all, let's just reflect for two or three minutes, if we may, on uh, the events today uh, as Fernando Rickson was laid to rest, taken past Ibrox for the final time. Uh, absolutely magnificent crowd, great response, yeah. uh, and, and supporters of all clubs there uh, yeah. to show their respects and pay their respects, as there were from all clubs at the church as well. Fantastic. Um, the streets were lined with the fans and gave them a perfect send-off, heard Nacho Novo speaking as well, obviously he was kind of filling up a wee bit, talking about him, pretty pretty friendly with him, um, and won trophies and played beside him obviously when he was a captain, so very fitting, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, other stories uh, across the news, of course, for the the last few days. Uh, Paul Heckenbottom saying he could be part of the problem at Hibs. <laughs> Sorry, just every time I say it, I start to laugh uh, because he's not allowing players to to express themselves to to take control. So is this part of the new breed of coaching? Then they give the young guys a chance who come in and you know get through their their, their usual stuff instead of being the, the the thing we were talking about in the you know in the office there. The dinosaur age of guys where he's not letting people play off the cuff. He's regimented. He's putting them through. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Name me three managers off the top of your head that you think let players play off the cuff. Mm, off the cuff, mm-hmm. I think Neil Lennon does it. Do you? Absolutely. I okay. think he's Ryan Christie. I think he's Edward stuff to to go and express themselves. Okay. Um, I think Gerard would do it with a couple of players as well. I think he'll do it with Ryan Kent. You know, certain players, not them all. Certain players, Bill. Right, You know my feeling My feeling generally is That we're obsessed by formation Rather than talent And that for me is one of the problems And and one of the problems that we have specifically in Scotland Is that But it's everywhere, it's not just us uh, And it's down to the fact that we're obsessed by formations We're we're not as as Focused on talent, flair And ability as we used to be I mean coaches would argue that they are They want flair players, they want uh, players with high ability but then they stifled them by saying that's your job you do that job and that's all you do I totally agree and, and yeah you're right but football isn't always as regimented as that football's off the cuff at times football should never be as regimented as that absolutely it shouldn't be because <clears> when the game starts sometimes what the manager said to you goes out the window then it's up to him to come in with another plan because of what the opposition are doing so yeah you're, you're totally right but just be watching people you know it 
Fans used to go to games, Bill, to watch guys to get their bums off the seats. Do you know what I find highly amusing? And I find it highly amusing. is when you see a, a central defender. And I, you know I'm not a great lover of central defenders trying to be footballers. No, no. You know, for me, defenders, central defenders have got one job. They're stoppers. They get the ball and they pass it to somebody that can do something with it. But you see the ones that you see trying to be a wee bit flary and a wee bit progressive. And you see them... (laughs) And they get to a certain point in the park and they look around and go, oh, hang on. They pass it and then they backpedal as quick as they can. Yeah, they're too far up the park. Yeah. Or, you know, don't get me wrong. Now, for, me, for me, if your formation's right and you want people to play to a formation but you still want people to be flair players, as soon as as soon as soon that central defender goes up the park, the holding midfield player just drops back. Yeah, Scott Brown does it all the time. Yeah. When Ayer takes the ball in the midfield and carries the ball into space, you've seen him doing it, Julian yeah, was just, doing it. Just so, I was at the game on Sunday, the Celtic game on Sunday, watching him doing it, and Scott Brown just sits in and just sits in at the back. Yeah. Um, I think the guy, I, I think Katic was starting to maybe try to do it, but he's obviously not in the team. But Golson, I don't think, looks as comfortable at doing it. I, I, and I agree with you. Do you know, I'll tell you something about Golson, and I've come to this conclusion. Uh, and the conclusion is that Golson is better under pressure when he's got less time to think about what he's doing. And I've seen central defenders do like that. that before. Absolutely. Where if you give them more time to think about what to do with the ball, that's when they usually make a mess of it. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Herlander, he looks as if he can he can step in. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't impressed, as you, you know. first and up. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Because we spoke to the Italian boy that came on that was telling us about the move. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was unfair to a degree, but yeah. you can only judge him what you see. Yeah. And when I first saw Hollander, I thought to myself, it's a windy day, mm-hmm. it's a plastic park, mm-hmm. it's New Bayview, you know, and all that goes with it against East Fife. And that wasn't derogatory against East Fife, but no, East no, Fife were there to spoil the That's game exactly for Rangers. And for a large part of the, the game, they did it reasonably well. Um, so it wasn't the best way to judge him, but you can only judge with what you see. Yeah. And all I said was, based on what I've seen today, I'm not seeing £3 million pounds worth of yeah. player there. However, I've got to say at the weekend, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was excellent in Europe. Nope. Um, and yeah, I can now start to see, now that he's playing proper games and, and, and getting involved in the way that he does, I still think there's a couple of little things that I would like to see him sharper on. Um, but uh, you can see the boy's experience. He reads the game extremely well. Yeah, it's funny because obviously looking at Julian as well, who was seven odd million quid. You know, watching him again at the weekend, where I went to see him against uh, Nisbet playing against him for Dunfermline. The yeah, you remember? Yeah. And it gave him a torrid time, and I'm thinking the same as you. My goodness, this guy's welcome to Scottish football, you know. But I must say, um, although he'd limped off a wee injury on in, in Sunday. He was absolutely different class, and he's looking like that's money well spent for Celtic at the minute. Mm. He's losing mm. class. As Ellender, well, I, I looked at a couple of these things in Italy, and I watched him playing that nice ball with his left foot, so comfortable. You can check out. I tell you what, he has done, Ali, and, and yeah. Hugh Burns brought this up the other the other night, and he's absolutely right. Uh, he's given more confidence when Hollander's been there. He's given more confidence to Barisic. Yeah. Barisic is feeling more comfortable about doing what Barisic should have been doing from day one. Mm. And Hugh said, I don't think he felt as comfortable with Katic as he does with Hollander. And I would agree with that. I think Hollander comes over and gives him that wee bit of cover. But more than that, I don't think he gets the ball, Hollander. 
and just looks for a pass, can't see it, so just passes it three or four yards to Katic. I think Holander will find better balls and sees better yeah, balls. Naturally, he can yeah. cover that left-hand side I better. think his vision's yeah. just a lot and better, say, and it's through experience. Through experience as well. <clears throat> We're playing with better players. I mean, you play with better players, you become better yourself. I mean, Barisic is playing for his country ball, so he's not a fool. You know? No, no, no. But I always said the problem I felt with Barisic mm. was that he plays for his country. His country plays that European style of yeah. play, yeah. which most teams that they'll come up might, against he'll play. That. He'll know that. And so what happens is that Barisic has more time on the ball mm. and more time to do what he wants to do. Yeah. He doesn't get that and hasn't had that in Scotland. But I think a lot of it, as Hugh pointed out, was Katic has been playing balls to him in areas where he's not really getting much of a chance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. He's back in his left-back position and he's got nowhere to go with it. And you have to imagine as well, Bill, you know, when, when he's playing for Croatia, who are... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm watching this gif of you peeing up against the wall. It's, it's, we're going to have to change that. That's very bad. There's nothing wrong with that. I used to do that at the plaza before I went into the dancing. Oh, lovely. Uh, honestly, the toilets were always mobbed in there. Anyway, um, no, Katic, Katic, uh, uh, sorry, is playing um, for Croatia, who... Are still a top team in Europe. They're still up there yeah. in the, the rankings. So when they go to play teams, obviously, like teams coming to Ibrox, they'll be sitting in defending as well, Bill, and you know, try to stifle the, the, the areas for Absolutely. him to run into. Absolutely. So I mean, it's something he's got to get used to. He's starting to get used to it. And you're right. I think having a naturally left-sided um, ball player and with the experience that he's got at the back, it's obviously he's really going to help him and uh, and drive him on because you know the Rangers fans want to see Barrett. Listen. We're back to that old thing we are defending. But ultimately, when you're at home, we like to see the full-backs getting forward and getting dangerous crosses into the box for the strikers. And um, that's that's his, that's his game. Busy night tonight, of course, and we'll, uh, we'll yep. catch up with our reporters. Uh, Bob Smith's at the, the Livy game. We've got Brian Rayburn, who's at Tynecastle uh, for Hearts against Aberdeen. Livy, of course, playing Rangers. And then we've got John Brodie at Killy against Hibs. Uh, and Celtic at home tonight against Thistle as well. Sorry, I missed that, Ian. What'd you say? What'd you say I missed that? Okay, all right. Don't know what he said. Right. He speaks with forked tongue. Because you mentioned Partick Thistle there. I know. That's a bit excited. He went into free fall because we were mentioning <laughs> the Jags. He gets emotionally involved with oh, all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Dennis McQuaid, Ronnie Glavin back <laughs> in midfield. George Niven. <laughs> Duke Sumner up top end. Oh, what a da- team. David McParlin. He's never heard of him. <laughs> Jimmy Bowen. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. I know. God, remember Jimmy Bowen. Absolutely. Yeah, well, he's part of, he was part of the old coaching thing great doing at large, wasn't he? He was a aye, good player, aye, yeah. Jimmy, good player. So let me ask you, let me ask you quickly. Go on. I've got the old, uh, you've mentioned Bob Smith, you've mentioned Brian Rayburn and John Brodie there at the game tonight. Hearts Aberdeen, Kelly Hibbs, after the, the weekend result, who's who's under pressure? Hakenbottom? Um, or do you think the Cups are a... I, look, I, th- I think both of them are under pressure. I think Craig Levine made a very good point. I'll let you hear what he said, which I think is... Is kind of telling. They've had to watch us struggle uh, up to now, and I'm not saying everything's fixed and we're 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 going to be flying high from now on. But certainly that's a major step up for us. Which I think was very fair. Absolutely. I think it was a good assessment of things. I think it was realistic. Um, I I I don't think Hearts fans are won over. They've 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 got the bragging rights over Hibs, uh, who are the rivals. I don't think they're won over yet. I think there's got to be a, a definite improvement. Tonight could be a big night for them again. If they go out against Aberdeen, 
then it starts all over again. Paul Heckenbottom, you know, I, I, the new the, the new owner has said that he's got his back in 100% and that he's got time to turn things round, which, you know, can mean one or two things for a manager. <laughs> That's what which time in Scotland when you're a football manager? It, it, it can mean one it's or two one things game, in football. One game, three games. It could mean, it's like, you know, the chairman's dreaded vote of confidence uh, and the next minute you're, you're leaving your car keys on reception. Real, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't see the game live, Bill, because obviously I watched it. Celtic Park. And it was, it was wholly but uneventful. Tell me, Hibs should have been three, four up the first half. It, it was uneventful. It wasn't a great game. Right. Hibs scored a cracking goal through Malin. Yeah, you uh, Ike Piezo pulled one Strength, back, yeah. uh, just holding the guys off. Yeah. I was a wee bit disappointed. I thought the goalkeeper could have done better for Hearts. I thought he was a wee bit off you know, where he should have been. Good and play a wee for bit, striker right enough. Yeah, no, listen, that, that's what big strikers do. Yeah. That's yeah. what he should be doing. That's yeah. what he did. And he did it extremely well. No goalie's going to stop the, the goal for Hickey, the boy Hickey. Seen a deflection, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, but you know, I mentioned this the other night, Ali. You see, if you don't hit that ball sweet, yeah, of course. it doesn't matter. The deflection takes it right up in the air and it drops in front of the goalie. If you hit it properly, even the deflection's not going to cause it to veer that much off course. I think the deflection gives it the loop because when you see the Celtic yeah, game... It yeah, it takes it, it gives it the rise. When you see the Celtic game, when you see Brophy's shot, it comes off a... a and I didn't notice it first because I was sitting right just above him. Um, it comes off a Ayers... Bottom his calf, his ankle, and it looked. And you see, you see Foster in his position, standing ready. And it, and one of the ones he went, I can't do in there. Well, I, I, I thought him, so. the keeper was at fault there, number one. Well, that, that was but a num- as but well. number number two, I couldn't understand how Brophy was allowed to get the, the shot off with three Celtic defenders. Yeah, they backed it. off a wee bit, but I, I think three Celtic defenders think, were on him. I think Foster would have saved it if it wasn't for the deflection. Mm, not sure, not sure. Bloody. Well, that's fine. It's all about <laughs> opinions. It's all about opinions. And I don't think the Hearts shot would have been in if it hadn't deflected. Oh, no, I'm sure it would have. No, I'm no. sure it would have. No chance. It was an absolute corker. It was a peach, that one. But do you know what I love? I love on the back of that. They're now talking to the boy about a contract extension. Do you know what I mean? The back of a goal. Well, shoot, son. If you don't shoot, you don't score. Yeah, well, you know, I just it makes, it makes you laugh, though, how everybody like gets tied up with these things. Uh, your thoughts very quickly before we take a break on Ian McCall going to Thistle and Archie join him. So a wee bit surprised that uh, Archie would join him, but obviously I read Archie a bit. said that he would only have gone for Ian McCall. He wouldn't well, have gone for anybody else. Well, that's else. fair enough then. And obviously he's got unfinished business. Um, well, it's not really got unfinished because I think we're still on the payroll. I don't know if he'd been paid <coughs> off or whatever, but um, no, Ian McCall. Air fans gutted, Thistle fans, and I can remember Ian McCall being there before, and I, I covered the game at Alex Pitch, Central Park, Cowdenbeath, and um, they drew the game, and the, it's funny football, Bill, isn't it? The fans were giving Ian McCall dog's abuse, <laughs> he's back, <laughs> he's back at Fir Hill, so, no, he's a good manager, I think Archie's there to take the training with Neil Scally, and um, that seems a good team, I don't want to say too much about them, and because you and I'll be getting too excited in the, the other room, so. <laughs> but listen, they're at Celtic Park tonight in the cup, as you know. So that's a, a good baptism. Well, fire. we'll talk a wee bit later on about the League Cup, and yep. you can tell me if you see any upsets happening. So we'll we'll talk about that a bit later on, and we'll catch up with the reporters as well. Uh, let's take a break, and then we'll bring our first guest on with us to uh, talk more football here at uh, at uh, Rock Sport. 
Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local plum base? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to plum base. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range available in the plum base Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch. At Motorpoint, we put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low-mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning-fast service and same-day drive-away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. If you were persuaded by Lloyd's or the Halifax or any other bank to move your savings into a Stocks and Shares ISA or Unit Trust, which then ended up losing money, it's time to contact Goodwin Barrett. Text GOOD to 6677. Goodwin Barrett have already helped thousands of customers recover millions of pounds. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, welcome back. Now, every so often we like to get under the skin of football a little bit and find out about things that we seem to talk a lot about, but really maybe not have that much knowledge on. Uh, So tonight, it's it's a real pleasure uh, to say hello to Andy Goldie, Academy Director at Dundee United Academy. Uh, Andy, thanks, first of all, for coming in with us. The first question I've got to ask is how important is an academy to a club like Dundee United? Yeah, it's crucial, absolutely crucial for us. I think um, if you look at a, a proper business model and how Scottish clubs are compared to the, the big clubs down south and across Europe, it's absolutely crucial that we're developing our own. It's it's best value for money for us if we bring a boy in at 10, 11, 12 years old and we develop him through our support, through infra- infrastructure, our programme and we sell him on. And that, that should be the business model for, for clubs like Dundee United and it's very much so as our business club. And, and how focused are the club on, on the academy? Because you hear different stories about clubs being focused to a certain degree on academies. I mean, we, we know that clubs like Hamilton and the Premiership are very focused on their academy and always have been, but it's been a 10-year plan for, for, for Les and uh, all the guys there to, to get that right. 
what kind of plan do you have at Dundee United and, and, and what's your kind of timeline on things? Yeah, well, firstly, before, I was obviously a performance coach uh, with the Scottish FA. We'll talk about that later, don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> thought so. Um, when, when Tony Ashgar, the sporting director, approached me to come in, these, these are the assurances that I seek, first of all, that we were a club who had a business model of developing their own players and giving them an opportunity of bringing success back to our club and then selling them on for a fee and reinvesting that money back in to produce a better player um, with that money. I think the, the thing, obviously, it's, very, it's in the papers, it's everywhere just now, that we're always looking for these short-term gains. We're looking for short-term success, and we can understand that. Being a Scotland fan ourselves, we, it's, it's painful. Uh, we've not qualified since 1998, and we want that qualification. Every four years, we're desperate to... to every two years, we're wanting desperate to get a qualification for a major championship again but we can't automatically go back and, and blame the academy setup or the performance schools more recently or anything to do with, with youth football because it takes time it does take no, time I mean I know that from various models where it does you know clubs are looking at 10 year plans and yeah, things like look, that now to develop success. players you look at the success across Europe when Germany reinvented their model it's taken 10 years for that to grow success England are obviously achieving a lot of success through their DNA programme just now that's not, it's not happened overnight. There's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. And now they're getting success and it looks as if they could be worthy winners of a, a European Championship or the World Cup in the future. Just before we go back to Dundee United, while we're talking about performance schools and, and, and you know the way that the national set-up is and all the rest of it, let me ask you this. Have we suffered because we've had three... Uh, performance directors in fairly quick succession with Mark Water and I assume you worked under him yeah yeah uh, Brian McClare assume you worked under yeah. Brian for the day and a half that he was there and then uh, the situation now with Malky Mackay have we suffered because of that because I, I, although there's a blueprint and a plan and again I'd like to ask you a wee bit later on about that because I want to focus on Dundee United for a wee while uh, although there's a plan um, I'm assuming that each performance director see certain nuances of that plan that they want to tweak or they want to change or they want to replace? Yeah, of course. There's always there's a difference between all three and I've been fortunate enough to work under all three of them. The consistent thing is that they all want success. We all want bring, to bring success back through the Performance School programme, through investment in the Club Academy Scotland model, through the professional clubs. That's never changed. That's never changed. There has been certain tweaks. Everybody's got certain opinions, different opinions on how we develop young players, how we invest in young players, how we offer young players that opportunity. Of course, there's going to be, be tweaks. I wouldn't say we've suffered. I wouldn't say we've suffered, but I, th I do think it is time for us to, for everyone to work together, to drop our egos, to drop our selfish ways of thinking about our own, how can we gain a quick buck, um, looking after our own clubs. I think the clubs are starting to work together. Malky's done really well in bringing the clubs together to work together for the same purpose. We all want to produce better players for is, is there a case, though, for the SFA being a bit more vocal about the performance schools and explaining to us, the punters, exactly what the plan is, how long it's going to take? Because it seems to me, as much as some of the criticism may be valid about the performance schools, a lot of it is borne out of frustration, as you said, straight from yeah. the start. And that could be down to the fact, and I've said this, you see, if we don't qualify for a tournament for another five years, I'll be quite happy. 
But if we don't qualify because we're not doing the right things or our expectations are forcing people to do the wrong things, then I think we're to blame as much as anything else. People say it's been 21 years since we last qualified. Well, another five is not going to make a difference. <laughs> Let's move. Let's take that time to build properly, restructure or structure properly and move forward. Yeah, and I think that, that was the original plan. When, when Mark Vaught came in, obviously he revamped Academy football, youth football, introduced the performance schools across the seven regions in Scotland, and that's going to take time. So that was the plan. Mark had always envisaged it would be 2020, where we would start to see the fruits of our labour. We always felt so. Are we holding a gun to your head? No, as no. fans. No, well, I think if you look at the two teams we've just played, we've played <laughs> the best team in the world in Belgium, and we've played Russia, who are not too bad either. Um, and even in the past, we wouldn't have been expected, even in our glory days, it, they were tough games for us. But I think as soon as we get a bit of a negativity or poor results, poor performances, we can't go straight back and, and blame a performance school programme or an academy system. As I say, performance schools, the oldest player to come through is only 19 at the moment. Mm. All right. And it was 2020, they said. However, we always thought that was that was really, really kind of setting the bar high that 18 and 19 year olds were going to improve the fortunes of our national team it's still going to take a few years for for the Billy Gilmore sure. and Lee Morrison's and so on to come through Ali? No I was just thinking about the fact that, that Andy's obviously left the Scottish set up where we can't qualify for anything he's went to the United and they've been out <laughs> the Premier League for a wee while Bill you know but no just just the same kind of thing um, Andy it's like did, did remember, actually... remember, he made that quick moment. <laughs> I'm just having a laugh. Won't hold it against do, you. Do you know the? You know, did they come to you then because they'd seen you working through these performance schools in the United? Because being out of the league, we've we've spoke to a few people even before you went there, and and, and the same member with one of the, the director guys on Bill, and it was like he was he was absolutely distraught. The guy that they'd missed out in promotion again. But is it a feeling of with this academy? It is going to take time, you know, even you mentioned Lauren Shanklin there, yeah. who can score your goals yeah. and get you promoted. Um, but, you know, the fans getting behind it and the fans happy about how the you know the young guys are coming through and they're going to come through and obviously help them to United. Yeah, so we obviously had a big restructure at the club um, as soon as we came in. When Tony Ashgar, Quinn as sporting director, um, on when, when Mark Ogren and Scott Ogren bought the club, there was obviously a need to restructure the club. Dundee United should never be a championship club. Um, in terms of the academy, we were in the second tier of academy football. That should never be the case. We've got a rich history of bringing young boys through. And that wasn't happening um, for various reasons. Investment, support, around about the players wasn't happening anymore. Or it wasn't happening to the level that it should be. So we've come in, uh, we've had to restructure the whole place. The investment that the owners have gave us has been fantastic. The support that I've had personally from, from Tony Ashgar has been absolutely fantastic because they believe in the academy. The, the academy is the lifeblood of the club and they understand that it's not an overnight success. Yes, we're going to see some green shoots and we're already seeing some green shoots coming through. We, we obviously Chris Mockery, 16-year-old player, youngest ever deputy at the club, who ironically also came through the performance school programme. We're starting to see the green shoots of our work, and we've only been in post since February this year. So this is going to take time, but 
as you know, football fans are very short, yep. short-minded. They want instant success, so it's good to see green shoots like Chris, like Scott Banks, like Logan Chalmers, all breaking through um, and getting the first-team opportunities just now. We've got Declan Glass that's out and loan at Cove Rangers just now, and he's he's firing the goals in just now and doing really well there, so hopefully that gives him a platform. Young will soon spoil him, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing because you, you need a patience, obviously, and you need, you need players, but see, when you first went in there then, when you took it over, it was February, you said? Yeah, yeah, February. So what, what's the first thing that you think about doing? Doing, obviously coming for a different setup to the club, and the first thing you think about in getting coaches run about you, you say like this and this is where we need, to, this is our uh, area where we're going to try and pick up kids. Yeah. You know because the schools, me and Bill talk about the schools a lot when we used to play football for the school teams. Yeah, that's not that's hardly there anymore. I mean, there's still schools that have got players in them. Yeah. So where do you go? Do you boys clubs? Is it school football? Is it? There's no scouts at BBs anymore. I, I don't imagine that they've scouted. It was the best days, five a sides. Absolutely. Brilliant. So, <laughs> where where do you go to try and find this talent? I think just on that note, one of, one of your key messages and having stepped aside and looked from outside in the performance schools and working with the clubs rather than working with a club, so to speak, we we're very aware that academy football can can steal children children uh, childhoods off off young players, mm-hmm. um, that they feel they need to be dictated to that they can't play school football, they can't play with the BB. So the, one of the first things that we said to all the coaches and all the staff is that we never steal a, a, a kid's childhood from them. Ultimately, that's what develops leaders. When they're, when they're playing different sports, when they're running about with their pals, and a lot of these things don't happen anymore, but we can't restrict that. So that was one of the first things. We wanted to put in more training sessions, we wanted to put more support. Is that just shoes, Andy, have done that? Or every club's clubs, different. Right? Yeah, every, every club's completely different. Every yeah. club's got their own ways, and it depends what research you read, and depends on your experiences and so on. There's, there's not a set way of, of developing a, a young Scottish player. Uh, everybody's got their own way, and this mm-hmm. is just based on my experiences over the last 15 years. What I've seen within the performance schools, as I said, from that kind of looking through the glass window type um, approach, that we, we need to give these kids uh, an opportunity and a support, firstly, to be kids, mm-hmm. and we really need to develop the person, and secondly, to actually make them believe that they can actually change the, the future of Scottish football. And that's been a key message from me to all our staff, to all our parents, and to our young players as well. Unfortunately, they've not had the role models at Dundee United at 83. They've not had the role models that played for Scotland in the 98 World Cup. We need to make them believe that they can be that person. Um, and if we if we don't do that, and if we limit their expectations to being a Scottish Championship player or a Scottish Premiership player, we're never going to bring success back to this country. So we we need to make sure they believe first, and they've got the ambition to go and achieve that. You see, this is music to our ears because we discuss this time and time again about academies and about young players. And and I, you know, okay, I'm a lot older than both of you, but I mean, even when I was playing. It, and we've mentioned this. I'd play on a Saturday morning for the the school. I'd play on a Saturday afternoon for the boys' brigade. I'd play for a Colts team on a Sunday. I'd be back to playing on a midweek game for the school again. Then it was back to Saturday. So you're playing four games a week yeah. properly. Mm-hmm. And so you 100%. were getting plenty of football, but you were enjoying it. And the great thing about school, fo- school football was it was a woodworking teacher, the metalworking teacher that took you. <laughs> the model studies that, teacher that, 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 that knew nothing <laughs> about, about knew nothing about football and then just said to you, just go and win. You know what I mean? So yeah. you got a chance to develop as a player. One of the things that we talk about all the time, Andy, and I, this is why I loved when you said, don't steal their childhood and, and, and don't, you know, kind of get into their heads about what they do and how they do it at a very young age. Because I think for me, 
And, and my own grandson was at Falkirk before they abandoned the whole academy thing. And one of the problems I had was that kids of his age, and he was, what, 10, 9, 10 at the time, they were overcoaching them. Yeah. There was no fun in it. There was no joy in it. Plus, the groups that they had were too big. So half the time, half the boys were standing against the fence, mm-hmm. waiting to come on and play their five-a-side or whatever it was, uh, and getting freezing cold in the winter. You know, So it was one of those things where I just thought, this is more about quantity rather than quality. Yeah. It must be a very difficult thing to do as an academy director to structure it in just a way where you get that balance. Yeah, the key thing is, is working with the individual. We need to start working at the collective all the time and what's best for the club. And I said that earlier on about being selfish and having that ego. The, the, that training session matters so much to that kid. If they miss that training session, they're never going to make it as a player. Mm-hmm. We want our kids going and doing school shows and playing for the school team and, and having that life. that they actually got choices in their own life rather than thinking, oh, I've got training four nights a week and I've mm-hmm. got two games at the weekend. We don't want it to become a chore. We want them to be accountable. We want them to be motivated to want more so they can turn One of the things that we get regularly is, and and we do get it regularly, and a lot of ex-pros and a lot of coaches subscribe to it as well, and I sit and think, well, hang on a minute. If you're all subscribing to this, why is it still going on? Because you're the coaches and the ex-pros and things like that. And that is that we're taking kids into professional football clubs at too early an age. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that viewpoint. Obviously, I've got I've got a six-year-old and a uh, well, a boy who's just about to turn four on Monday. Um, would I put them into academy at that age, as in the generic outlook on what an academy people perceive it to be? Uh, no, but would I put them into Dundee United's academy? A hundred percent. So we we have kids in at seven and eight year old, but it's a games program. It's a safe environment to come and play games with uh, players on their ability, on their wavelength, with a tiny bit of coaching. And it's more about encouraging habits rather Mm. than trying to change them and mould them into something that they're not ready to be. We want them to be the best version of themselves, and that's right through our academy. So you're you're touching on about how many games. I was the same, although it didn't do me any favours and where I wanted to go as a footballer. But I was playing Friday, Saturday, two games on a Sunday, and that's something we brought back in straight away. So we cut our squad numbers down to 12 where previously it was 16 to 20 in every squad. They're not getting enough game time. Nowhere near Yeah, no, I agree with that. So we cut our squads down to 12, which then allows us to put our best players up and play the next day with the older age group as well. Is that across the board? Is that that, all the ages? That's right across our academy. So all our best players, or the the players who have earned that opportunity, play two games at the weekend now, as well as our three or four sessions during the week. Now, if at any point they turn round to us and say they've got a family event on on a Sunday or they would like to go away for the weekend or they've got a holiday or they've got something on at the school during the week, we fully support that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hold them to ransom and say, if you don't play this game, you won't start the next one. That's not how we should operate. But there are clubs who have done that. Quite potentially. Um, again, as I said, every club works differently. Is that part of the, the ethos of that? Uh, and we talk about this anyway, and we were talking about it with Project Brave, and the fact that everyone has different things that drive their club, whether it be financial, whether it be social, whether it be part of the the uh, makeup of the community, everybody has different agendas. So therefore, you can't have a one-size-fits-all academy style. Uh, And so I can understand why that happens. Why have you been so... Or or why have you decided to restructure the academy? Where was it flawed in your view before? 
when you took a look at it and, and when you came in with a fresh pair of eyes, what did you see as being the main things you had to change and why did you feel they had to be changed? Just needed more support around about the players. Uh, every player plays, every young boy plays football because they want to play for Scotland, they want to play in the Champions League. Um, but yes, we want them to take accountability and yes, they can do so much more themselves and they can create their own pathway. But we, we have a, a duty of care to provide them with the, the right support, the right guidance, that we can actually help them on their way. Now, we'll never make a player. So I've been, as I said, I've been coaching for 15 years. I've never made one player. In fact, most of the best players I've worked with have made me a better coach. <laughs> That's 100% true, because they challenge you as a coach. Yeah. But um, we had to get them back to, first of all, we've touched on it already, it needs to be fun again. It needs to be somewhere where they feel they've got that support, somewhere, an environment and a culture where they feel as if they're pushed, where they're motivated, where they're inspired, where they can actually, somewhere they're comfortable, where they can achieve their dream. Um, so that was the first thing. I said the second thing was, unfortunately, and I know academies get a bad name for cutting numbers, unfortunately we had to do that because we had too many in, in my opinion, and we wanted to give our best players more opportunity, more game time, instead of playing 45 to 60 minutes in a weekend, we wanted them playing 90 to 180 minutes at a weekend to really push them on. And obviously sports science has got a big part in that now, and we, we do liaise with our head of physical performance and making sure we're not working them too hard uh, for injury prevention and so on, but... If we if we can push them to a certain level and give them more games, then that's why we play. Mm-hmm. All my memories from a young child yeah, playing football yeah. or playing football, like playing the games. It's not about the training session. It's about picking up the the trophies at the end of the year play, end of year player award. It's about making friends. It's about playing football with your friends, and that's the culture and the environment we want to create at Dundee United. We want to bring that fun element back and that togetherness back again. You mentioned something just at the start of that conversation there, where you said young kids who want to play in the Champions League, they want to become internationalists. When I was a young kid coming through, that, that was never in my mind. I always, I've told Bill that football chose me yeah. because of my ability, not because I wanted to be so. See if you get one person that can even come through the United Academy and can play an English Premiership. That's a fantastic achievement. Yeah. But for the other other kids, going to play with Montrose, Beacon City, whatever... Yeah. Isn't a failure? No, 100% Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So there comes a time when these kids maybe, and you'll be able to tell us, because we don't think kids can take the knockbacks as much as we did when we were younger. Yeah. So that must be a difficult thing for you to do. Yeah, again, that was one of the things we had to put in place was an exit strategy. Um, again, having worked in the performance schools and seen it for seven years, that boys getting released, boys who we believed in, we committed to for four years because we've seen the potential, what they could achieve in the future. Uh, being released and then almost falling out of love with the game. So that was one of our support mechanisms we had to put in place. What would be our exit strategy? So creating links with other clubs um, in the area and round about that if if it wasn't successful at Dundee United or that wasn't the right place for them, if they're only getting 30 minutes or 40 minutes, which was no good for their development, Mm -hmm. where could we set them up that they could continue to build and develop, enjoy their football? And we've had players going to Montrose, we've had players going to Dundee, we've had players going to other clubs in the surrounding areas where they'll actually flourish because there's maybe not as much competition. Maybe they're a better player in terms of the ranking and that, and they'll get game time there. And then exactly if they're getting their game time there, Bill, whether maybe maybe 14, 15, they, they may actually rise to the top of a game when they're 18, 19. Right. He's been sitting making notes. He's been listening back to all our <laughs> programmes and making notes and just picking up everything we've been saying because this is music to my ears. Mm. i tell you what I do want to ask you. How do you manage the parents? 
It's difficult. It's difficult, but I think, there's, again, there's various approaches across academy football. But you would agree that sometimes there is a problem that, that the parents could have more ambition and, and see things differently for their kids than, than you do. Yeah, but I think as an academy, it's not just about the players. It's also about the staff and developing the staff. And it's also about educating the parents as well and bringing them with you on that journey. If we keep the parents at arm's length and we, we don't educate the parents, they, they don't understand. How willing are parents to be educated, though, because they're their kid and they see their kid as being the next Ronaldo, the next whatever? Yeah, again, we need to be transparent as an academy. First, one of the first things I said when we first we had our first parent education workshop is we are not going to get everything right. We, we, we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. and if you turn around to us at any point and you give us a different opinion and we agree with it, we'll hold our hands up and we'll, and we'll correct it. That's, that's what's going to happen. It happens on the pitch on a Saturday and a Sunday, and it's going to happen with us, the decisions we make. But ultimately, we need to educate the parents on why we do certain things, why we make certain decisions, um, and we need to do that through all aspects of the academy, whether it's psychology, whether it's a technical, whether it's tactical, whatever it may be so that they understand and they can come with us. Ultimately, that then improves their feedback. We've all had it. Our dad's in the car on the way home, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and why would you do this? We're trying to make a better coach out the dad yeah. so they get better, more specific feedback that's actually related to their development rather than the result, <laughs> which we all got. You don't run hard enough, and you get a kick up the bum from your dad on the way home. Yeah. See, that's an age thing as well, isn't it? When he sees me in the car going, hey, I take it the bus, same. <laughs> <laughs> Did you no, have to walk it? No, my old man used to bring a transit van from work home and take about five or six years down to the game. <laughs> so I was only three buses, I didn't. I just come into the house and my mum and dad would be in their bed. I didn't seem worried about me. I was just back for Clyde Bank. Well, we've, Unbelievable. Been, we've done a few visits to English academies. They're turning up in Lamborghinis and helicopters. Unbelievable. And stuff. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's a different but planet. But that, let me, let me ask you this as well. Sorry, let me ask you this before Ali comes back in again, because I've got a theory uh, and it's a theory which I'll be more than happy for you to shoot me pieces on and that is that too many of the kids today don't want to play football for the love of the sport they see it as a lifestyle they see through social media they see through TV you've just hit the Lamborghini helicopter brigade you know but I believe a lot of kids see football as a lifestyle rather than a game that you love and that you really lose yourself in as we all did when we played Um, and that worries me a little bit please if I'm wrong on that shoot me to pieces on it but if I'm right tell me how you realign their thinking and get them to think the right way it's hard. It is a difficult one because it's. Am I right though in the first place that they do see it as a kids life- are different now. The culture's different. So now, they do so see it as a lifestyle a about, lot of the time. Yeah, everybody talks about the kids don't play in the street anymore. Kids don't do this. We don't play kirby. We don't play cuppy. We don't play these games anymore. Kids so are spending are you a too much. Or not, then? <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to be here. Um, but they, they, they're on their Twitter feed, they're on Instagram, and it's more about how they appear. I don't think we can change that. So what we need to do is we need to dig into that and work with that to motivate them, to give them that motivation and to get them back to to where we want them to go. So it's just a different way of working. Unfortunately, we, th- we, we do need to support them on that, but we educate them how they're using their social media. And then within our academy, we actually give them purpose- we give them controlled setbacks now as well. So we've had boys up where under 18s and we've had under 15s play ahead of under 18s in the in the, the full time squad. Um, we have boys that are playing up a year and then we don't put them up a year for a couple of weeks just to see how they react. 
then we need to do that. We I think that's great. Touched, I think it's great. Earlier on, like the kids can't deal with setbacks, but mm. we can't be talking in ten years' time and say, yeah. "Oh, it's because of Instagram, it's because of Xboxes, it's because they can't deal with setbacks." Mm. We need to actually work with that. We need to overcome that issue. They yeah. don't play in the street anymore, so we need to give them more football within the academy. We need to give them two games at the weekend. They play with their Xboxes too often, right? So we need to give them individual development programs so they're working away, yeah. and then we can assess them against that. We can educate them on how best to use social media and so on as well. If we sit here and complain about it, we're not going to move forward. How much of an interest is the manager taking the academy? Fantastic. Um, so again, what, there's one of the assurances I seek from Tony once when we first met about what, what is it actually look like? What is Dundee United going to look like? And thankfully we've got a, obviously a modern model with Tony Ashgar as a sporting director. And ultimately he decides in the environment, the culture, the processes right throughout the club. So myself, Robbie Nielsen, Gordon Forrest, Lee McCulloch are always in constant dialogue. They're always at training with Neil Alexander down watching the goalkeepers at training and working with our goalkeeping coach Stuart Ashka. Robbie Gordon and, and Jag are always over watching Adam and Granty and, and Bo with under-18s as well. They come down to the academy and it's definitely a one-club approach. And that's through all departments at our club now. And that's what we needed. We're all wanting the same thing. We all want Dundee United to be back in the Premiership. We want Dundee United to be challenging for European places in the future again. But we want to do it with our own players. With one players who the fans can relate to, the, are our identity, preferably from Dundee and the surrounding areas. But if we need to go elsewhere, obviously Johnny Russell come through the academy from Coatbridge, mm-hmm. then we will do that as well. But we're all wanting that same thing. So having uh, Robbie Nielsen or Gordon Forrest, whoever it may be, down at training, it's fantastic because we bounce ideas off each other. The players see that they're interested. The players see the pathway because they're within touching distance of the first team uh, staff. And it's fantastic. It really, really promotes the, the one-club approach that we're, we're trying to um, roll out right throughout the club. Just a, another thing about the, the kids coming through. What, what age? Remember, it was when we were young. It was S forms. It was thirteen, fourteen, and mm-hmm. maybe fourteen, and to, yeah. to sign an S form. When do you start paying attention to the kids coming through? I mean, obviously, all your bigger teams, your maybe sixteens and eighteens, are yeah. all professional players, and they, they yeah. all be on the. When do you start to really pay attention? And is there a time scale, or is there a bit of pressure on you to try and get kids through? Group. Believe it or not, the actual the hardest part is getting the kids in in the first place. Right. So a lot of big you mentioned a few clubs there that we're actually competing for for kids who are six and seven year old. We're different, as I say. We're not bringing them in to develop them as players. We're we're bringing them in to develop their motor skills, develop their confidence, playing mm-hmm. again against players yeah. of a similar ability, and give them that safe environment, enjoyable environment. Uh, we then we can sign them at ten year old. Uh, or the year they're, they're going to be 10, so if they're 10 in December, we can still sign them that January. And then full-time, we can sign them when they're 16 um, into that environment, which is young, because that's at the end of fourth year. Um, but what we've done this year, again, is we've offered them three different education options, because we're very wary we're taking boys out of school at 16. Even we, we signed 13 academy graduates this year. And there's nothing to say that any of them will definitely make it, even yeah. if they get a full-time professional contract. Yeah. So again, going back to developing the person, we gave them three education options. One was to pick up modules at a local university, and we met several universities while they were performing or training as a full-time footballer. The the second one was to take up a sports-related course at one of our local colleges, and the third one was actually to remain at their school uh, one, two days a week and do their hires like they would do any other pupil. 
So we've got players, and Chris is one of, one of them, they train Monday double session, train Tuesday double session, they get Wednesday off and they spend the full day in school on a Wednesday. Thursday they do a double session and depending where they're game, they're under 18s games on Friday evenings or Friday during the day. If it's Friday evening, they would go and go to school during the day and they would set their hires during the day, study their hires. If it's during, if it's a two o'clock kick-off, then obviously they would be preparing, preparing for that game. But at the end of this year, our boys will have that, have that experience of being a full-time professional footballer, training with the first team, a lot of them. So mm-hmm. a lot of these kids are actually training with Robbie, Gordon, Jig, Neil Alexander every day uh, at the High Performance Centre at St Andrews. But they're also getting qualifications yeah. on the back of it, so yeah. they've got a backup plan. And I think it's, again, it's just my view, I think it's important we provide that. And do you talk to them when, when they get the options of these three opportunities? And, and not to prime them for failure because you're grooming them to be successful. Yeah. But to make them aware that, you know, not everybody will make it. It's up to them whether they do. Um, but this is something that, that they need to have. One of the things we've been speaking about, and, and not specifically with kids, but it's come into it, is about mental well-being in football these days, Andy. We've been yeah. we've been banging the drum for it for five years now, uh, and we've had all sorts of people on, and and we've really dug into it, and it's something we feel strongly about. But one of the things that I have said as well, and here's a scenario for you: three kids come in from the same school. They're all pals. They get to a certain age, which might be fourteen or fifteen. Two of them are kept. One of them goes. Are we fostering potential mental problems for somebody ongoing in life? And if we are, what responsibility do we need to take for these kids that are cut loose? And I know you've got pathways to other clubs, which I think is great. And you're right. Going to Montrose or Breaking or Stenhouse, that isn't failure. That's not failure. Because if you want to play football, you're playing football and you're playing it in the SPFL. So that is not failure in my view. There's also different pathways. So there's there's plenty of... of, um, Examples but, in the past that went you, to Montrose and come back. Yeah, well, sometimes you, know, you need to, more successful. you know, you I need to take it. a step back to, to go it. forward. Andy Robertson being a great example of that. Perfect example. But but you know what I'm saying about with the mental well-being as well. Where do you build that into the plan, and do you look at kids as well in terms of their mental welfare and and try and kind of safeguard them in that way? Do you have people at the club who, if you like, make notes about? You know, maybe somebody's been a wee bit quiet for a while and that kind of thing. Yeah, as I said, we're, we're very much a club that looks at the person first, whether it's a, an under-11 player or whether it's a first-team player uh, or whether it's a member of staff. We always look after one another. We always look after the person first. Uh, throughout the club, we've, we've just uh, designed a new structure on how we deal with that. Obviously, it's it's modern news. It's out there all the time about the mental health problems. It's absolutely fantastic. We've got professional players coming out and, and sharing their, their experiences. We obviously had Mark Conley come out recently, with Neil Lennon out recently, and sharing their experience, which is absolutely fantastic. So as part of our education workshops and our education programme, we also need to advise um, the kids of where they can go, etc., etc., to seek professional help, but also to make them understand that, that we are also there. We're not just there as a coach and to pick a team on a Saturday yeah. or Sunday. We're actually there as a, as a mentor for them, somebody they can bounce off from, somebody they can share problems with. Um, and ultimately, that is our job, to make sure that we are actually helping the person, first and foremost, over the player. Because if you've not got a, a well-rounded player, a mentally strong player, then a uh, person, sorry, then you've not got the player. 
because they're, they're going to break down in the future at some point. When we talk about Andy Robertson, it must be every coach's nightmare at an academy to cut a kid loose and then for them to come back and haunt them at another level. Uh, it depends on the ego. Like we know for a fact, or we've we've just cut our squads back, as I said, to twelve, and we know some of those players are going to come be, back. Yeah, but ultimately, we have made the they won't bite us because yeah. we've ultimately made the right decision mm. for them. And that's again, I go back to my phrase earlier on: us as a club, we need to drop our egos, and we need to do the best thing for that kid. Is he going to achieve? What we dream was, what level he gets to in the end by playing thirty minutes or forty-five minutes for Dundee United. When but he could be but can you can you apply again a one-size-fits-all situation as a lot of clubs seem to do yeah. when they assess kids? in terms of the ones they're going to cut and the ones they're going to keep. I mean, you've been talking very much about the individual and how you focus on the individual. I'm assuming that is something that you focus on all the way through the process. So when somebody's going to be cut, it's not just purely because of their height or their weight or whatever. You've got to look at a more rounded kind of, if you like, um, biometric for them. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Can I answer that? Because I, I, that's a good point. I don't point. know, could you? Absolutely, because <laughs> people develop at different They do, times. yeah. Kids yeah. develop at different stages. Here's David Weir, for example. I mean, David, David Weir didn't play any senior went football. To younger, went to America and come back and look at the career he had. So it's 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 one of the things where it, I think you'd be proud if somebody come back because you never totally know that they might still come back to your club again. You know, because they enjoyed the grounding that they had That's at the academy. So I think I think it's a win-win situation, Bill. There, don't forget as well as we were speaking about, not only mentally but physically, kids get you know at different stages when they're growing up. Maybe thirteen, maybe fifteen, maybe seventeen, eighteen. But I think the academies are always there, and I think you know if a guy comes back, they let go for the D United and comes back as a player into first team after going to Beacon City when he's twenty-one. I think it's a win-win situation. Fantastic for us. Yep. Right, yep. We've, our, our objective is to make sure that every player in our academy loves the experience that much that when their time is to either move up and get a full-time contract yep. or move on, that they've loved their experience. They look back in their time at Dundee United and they've left as a better person, they've left as a better player, having experiences of playing different teams from different countries, going abroad in tournaments, having those real life experiences that we all remember when we played. That's what we need to provide our young kids. And then in the future, if we get somebody that's 21 and broke through at Brecon, as, as Ali said there, and we sign them, they want to come back because they love their time so much. It's just that their pathway's been slightly different. And again, we're, we're never going to be so egotistical about it that we think, oh, we made a mistake there. We're not going to own up to that mistake. We're going to make mistakes. Sorry, I, I'm laughing. <laughs> we're talking about experiences. I remember once going to play a, a, a school called Middle School in Aberdeen. And there was the... There was, two years ahead of us and we were in first year and the third years were going and the first years were going and the, the third years get stuck in the hotel and we get stuck in the YMCA down when it used to be at the Harbour at Aberdeen and I'll never forget it there, there wasn't bedrooms as such it was hardboard partitions with doors on them but no roofs so all through the night and it's, you know it's the first time we'd been away all through the night there was these old guys and you thought oh god no you never get away I think we beat four nothing the next day because none of us slept the night before absolutely crazy just when you were saying about experiences and things I was just thinking about that but it lives with you and it builds that character I mean honestly I mean I played my first game at the Glen Connor football parks and the school Johnny, as you were saying, yeah. Mr. T- and I forget his name, by the way. It's a funny story because I've told you the story about Brian McPhee. See, that's your old school up there. We were going to Dumbarton. We were on the M74, going to Dumbarton. And he went, that's your old school up there at Royston Hall. And I went, aye. And I, I think he's read somewhere that I went to that school. Yeah. 
And he went, no, he says, Mr. Taylor took a, the school. I went, but he was about seven or eight years younger than me. Aye. And I went, Mr. Taylor, did he take you as well? Brian McPhee, you know, he playing at Airdrie and yeah. Oregon, didn't he? But fantastic. And that's the memories that, that's what you want. That's what you want the kids to remember. And I think now, honestly, can I tell you, an academy, when I was growing up, I'd be worth about 40 million. <laughs> 50 million, Bill. What? Half that? What have been? We didn't get coached properly. We didn't get coached until I was telling Bill out there. When I was at St Mirren at 13, 14, Billy Stark, or it was you actually, Alex Ferguson would come down yeah. and take a training session and you'd go, that's, that's a gaffer. And that was it. Anything else was just five aside. It wasn't yeah. proper coaching as such. But these academies now are absolutely fantastic and if they can't bring through players to play for their club, then I don't know <laughs> I don't know where we go for that because yeah. it's about time we started developing decent players about to get us to where we want to be. I mean we we can remember, I don't know if Andy remembers qualifying for anything he's that young. <laughs> but we, we can we can remember qualifying and it's twenty one, twenty two year. Twenty one. Twenty one years. I can still remember that excitement, so yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm not as but, young as Ali you know thinks I, mean? I am. No, I remember. <laughs> do you remember France? So so I mean I think it's a fantastic idea. I think the academies are wonderful as long as you know, that they're all done the same way as in D-United. I'm a D-United fan now. Well, I, I, I tell you what I am. I'm very impressed yep. at the fact that all the areas that we've been critical of, you covered off without prompting. Mm -hmm. So I now believe that you actually do these things <laughs> rather than just tick the boxes. Because uh, these are all areas that we have discussed and discussed at length and fairly savagely at times, yeah. I have to say. But you know what? If we've had some small way made people stop and think by savaging them on the air on occasions, then I don't apologise for it. But at the same time, I have got to applaud clubs like Dundee United. Thank you. Not, not, not least of which for taking Laura McCallum on for a start. That's a good move. Fantastic. Um, she keeps um, us all on our toes. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. But I'm serious. For clubs like your own that are now looking at this in a more rounded way and in an individual way and appreciating that these are people, not just assets potentially, yeah. I think is a huge leap forward. I really do. And I know there'll be a lot of people listening to the programme because this is one of the areas that they talk about all the time. who will be listening to the programme and thinking, wish I lived closer to Dundee so that my boy could go to Dundee United Absolutely. to the academy and yeah. things like that. I'm sure there will be. We're allowed yeah. to expand eventually, so there, there may be opportunities for them to come to Dundee United through a, a centre closer. Well, and that'll even be expand even quicker if he's get promoted this year, yeah, I should 100%. imagine, Andy. Because, um, 100%. What's, what's Mr Ogren's uh, views on, on the, the way that the club's been restructured, including the academy? What's his thoughts? Has he been an instigator of it? Uh, from seeing various setups in America of various sporting organisations, uh, he seems a very progressive man. He seems a man who's very committed to the club. Um, he seems a man who's very level-headed and doesn't knee-jerk react yeah. to things. What's his thoughts on on where the club is from where it was? And I know it's very early days. Yeah, fully supportive. Um, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. It's Scott Ogren's over this week, and Scott sat with nearly every member of staff so far this week to just ask them how he can help and support, how he can drive the club forward. What, what, what did we need from from Mark and Scott to to? take the next step again, whether that's commercial, whether that's the academy, whether that's the community. We all, we're all in this together, and, and Mark and Scott, through Tony Ashgar, through Mal Brannigan, have really created that culture. Um, obviously, they've they've not got experiences as such in football, 
but they're very successful businessmen and there's a lot of transferable skills there that are now being implemented across across the club. Is there any plans, Andy? You know, what St Andrews you'd mentioned there with the, I think the reserve play up there as well. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Is there any plans for something closer? Or is there any the academy so that it's closer to where? Yeah, it was early days. Obviously, we're yeah. only we're only nine months into the kind of takeover and the restructuring of the club. Um, we have put a lot of investment back into the high performance centre at St mm-hmm. Andrews, and in terms of neuroscience, in terms of analysis, in terms of the support staff, it's round about the place. We've also taken another under 18 squad full time this year, which weren't last year. Yeah. Our reserves were full time with a couple of 18s in. Now we have a full a full squad of academy graduates who are, are full time professional footballers now, who train every day, as I said, as well as doing their hires. Um, train with the first team on occasions as well, and that's through the through the investment uh, and the vision of of Mark Ogden, Scott Ogden, and Tony Ashgar that are helping to support that. It's definitely the way we want to move forward as a club. We are Dundee United. I think we need to get back to making our fans believe, making our players believe, our staff believe that we are a big club. We are a big club. We're not a championship club, unfortunately. Huge club. Mm-hmm. Where um, I probably didn't realise until I went in there. Always, I worked there as a part-time coach. But when you're not fully integrated in in terms of the day-to-day workings, you don't you don't understand how big a club and how much it means to the fans. And it's up to us as an academy. It's up to us as a club to to bring success back for them. Because they've been, they've been Hegarty very never lets me forget it every Friday. Me and Shug, <laughs> don't worry. He's always banging the drum. But even there, like, like guys, guys like Paul, they're, they're always around the club. Always around the club. They, these guys always want to bring. They want to bring success back. That is a man. You know, we have heads on every. We have them on every Friday. Uh, yeah. Looking ahead to the weekend. Because he just lives around the corner. He used to got me in on Friday making I, a car share down. And I've got a. I've got a. Uh, I've got an absolute respect for him because that is a man who just eats, sleeps, and breathes Dundee United. Man. He loves the club. He really does, uh, and sometimes you've felt his pain over the last few seasons, yeah. uh, really quite extensively felt his pain. We just thought there was a, a wee kind of hoodoo over him, didn't we? I mean, you know, when, when it goes that long and you think, it's not, they're, they're, just, they're just doomed to be in that championship all the time. Yeah. But obviously, when you see them this season, better start. Yeah. Still need to get better at taking goals. penalties. Well, exactly, oh, exactly. But that I mean, <laughs> still I mean, need to get better at taking but, you penalties. Know, Lauren Shanklin in there, and and, and 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 honestly, I mean, he's forty goals this season. I mean, yeah, that's what wins so. you games, Bill. That's what wins you games, guys. that can put the ball in the back. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Lawrence as well, but there's also there's a very strong squad there yeah. behind Lawrence yeah. that are providing them with the opportunities to. But you know, here's like the it. thing, Andy. Here's the thing. You've got to admire the lad that he could have number of places, yeah. but he was sensible enough and, and let's not forget that he kind of was toppled out of Aberdeen went to Air United kind of screwed the bob and gone to Dundee United he's been sensible enough to think if I get another season in the championship or so I can either go up with Dundee United or I'm going to score a hat full of goals again my currency is going to go up he's actually thought about this for me yeah. and made a sensible decision it would have been easy to have his head swayed and been a bench warmer somewhere yeah 100% and I think it, there was a lot of criticism saying uh, he didn't have aspirations to go to the top or he's kind of settled for the same level he was playing at last year but nobody's actually looked at it from the I don't think that's that true sold. the vision that he was sold at the club He's actually bought into the vision at the club and obviously we're absolutely delighted to have a player of that quality that scored so many goals over the mm-hmm. last few seasons. Yep. But he's not came to Dundee United for a quick buck. He's came to Dundee United because he's bought into the vision that's been sold through Mark, through Scott uh, and through Tony Ashka. That's that's why he's came. Yeah. 
Uh, and you, as you said there, if he has another successful season, hopefully we manage to keep him in the Premiership because we do want to finish top six. We don't want to just be amongst the bodies yeah. there. Yeah. And then he goes and he actually has, has a better career decision because he yeah. earns more money. He gets a better club at the, that time yeah. as well. Usually, no, we, I think usually that's we absolutely me, right. Usually when we mention something in the programme, put the hoodoo on them right enough, the hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but what it also does is Andy's gives the young kids at the academy a kind of role model. I think I think, I think the D United have been short of role models over the, the past few seasons, Bill, and I think Lawrence has definitely mm. uh, gone no, I agree. for the kids. So, the, fantastic. The boys, the first team boys up at St Andrews have been fantastic with their under-18s. Mm. We've actually got a number of the, the first team players are going to commence their B licence soon, where they'll be working within the academy as well, which is absolutely fantastic. And that, again, it's that shared approach, it's that one vision. Mm-hmm. That ultimately, they're coaching boys that are going to replace yeah. them, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and we're all in it together. Listen, Nick, Next time you see Heg say, I never knew you nearly went to Spurs. <laughs> go on, go on. I dare you. I dare you. I'll see him in the school run tomorrow. So I dare you. Say to him, Bill Young was telling me that you nearly went to Spurs. Which you see his face when you say it to him. <laughs> Trust me, it'll be a picture. Have your phone ready. Take a picture and send it to I'll me. Send it in to you. Send it to me. Andy, listen, thanks for coming in and uh, talking to us about Dundee United Academy. It's been an absolute joy in a lot of ways, but more so the fact that we are starting to see a vision which is a, a, a rounded vision, yeah. not just get them in, get them out, move them on, that kind of thing. Um, I think we've done that in the past at certain clubs. I think certain clubs will continue to do it. But I'm glad that Dundee United is not one of them. So that's Thanks good. very thank much. You. Thank, no, thank you for coming in. Andy Goldie there, Academy Director at Dundee United Academy, talking to us uh, tonight on Talking Football. We'll take a break. Next up, uh, Dave Bouglas, uh, Head of Operations at Glasgow City. Been a while since we spoke to Dave, uh, but they've got a big game coming up in the Champions League. So we'll find out more about that. Thursdays at 8pm, F1, Rally, Formula E, Touring Cars and MotoGP. The motorsport season is well and truly underway and Rock Sport Radio is already spinning wheels and burning rubber. Andy Alston and Adam Todd are on the starting grid every Thursday from 8pm to bring you news and comments on pole position. A petrol head's dream. Try a lap or two with the guys. Pole position on Rock Sport Radio. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Hello! Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. They've had your money long enough. Now's the time to act. If a bank like Lloyd's or the Halifax persuaded you to move your savings and you lost out, don't miss this opportunity to get your money back. Text GOOD to 6677 and Goodwin Barrett could help you recover money you thought had gone for good. Don't miss out. Text GOOD to 6677 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk 
For more information, Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, talking football for this Wednesday. Ali in the studio with me, as he always is, of course. And uh, thanks, Andy Goldie, for coming in, Academy Director at Dundee United Academy, and enlightening us on that. Now, you know we've been a big fan and a big supporter of uh, women's football uh, for quite a while. It's been a while since we've had Head of Operations of Glasgow City in with us, Dave Bouglas. He's with us tonight. Mr Bouglas, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, six months, actually, since I was last in. Is it? So changed a bit. <laughs> I think I've got a few more grey hairs and I've maybe put a wee bit more weight on. So, But um, yeah, no, all going very well and loving it, to be honest. Uh, it's been a real blast so far. And how's things at the club generally? Um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting, actually. Um, it's interesting listening to Andy there coming in in the car and talking about business models and stuff like that. Um, I guess we've tried to sort of use the year so far as a bit of a business review. Uh, I think I remember when I said to you when I first saw you this year, I don't think we really realised how big what we had was. Um, so we've used really the last six months to try and get under the skin of you know the players, the standards, uh, the coaching, the facilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we're just about to kind of um, speak to our parents at the back end of October with regards to 2020, and we've got a really exciting kind of proposition coming up. But no, things have been going great. Um, we're up to over 170 girls now from under nine all the way through to World Cup goalkeepers and World Cup midfielders. Um, we've got all our kids kitted out and home and away kit and training kit which has been a massive thing I think one of the things I noticed when I started was just some of the, the basic standards that were maybe missing um, and in terms of exposure you know, with regards to social media Callum and Craig and the guys in our social media team they've been brilliant I think we've had more games broadcast it further down the chain than you know maybe we did before I came in so it's all going well um, I think we had a massive week last week though which was pretty fantastic for the academy it was we had three girls who performed, two girls performed last Wednesday against Rangers, uh, Lucy Ronald and Lucy Sinclair. Lucy's been, Lucy Ronald's been with us a long, long time, and Lucy Sinclair. And then at the weekend, Lucy Sinclair made a start against Spartans. She played 90 minutes, she scored after six minutes, which for us with the academy, it's a dream because it just makes my life easier with the parents. Yeah. And they kind of understand that things are starting to come together. But um, yeah, so it's going really well. Um, a lot of learnings though. Uh, my phone is constantly buzzing. I'm in every WhatsApp group for every team. Um, but I see that as an opportunity and a challenge, taking feedback from the parents. You know, I, you hear what's going on, I try and nip it in the bud quick, but as I say, all very exciting for 2020 and, uh, you know, hopefully tomorrow night gives us another kick as well. So. David, one of the things that we were, we've talked about and we've, we've spoken to various coaches from various teams and various clubs uh, about the, the kind of bounce from the World Cup and the general consensus is there hasn't been one. Uh, and it's been a source of disappointment to people. Why hasn't there been one, do you think? And have we done enough infrastructure-wise as a nation uh, with the the SFA and various other people in terms of capitalising or or pushing a bounce? I mean, a couple of views. One would be, for our own club specifically, definitely seeing a bounce. Um, We are seeing player registrations, players contacting us to come join from a young age group, you know, it's kind of gone through the roof to an extent. We were 120 odd players when I saw you in March. We're over 170. So Jamie Beatty, who kind of does a lot of the academy stuff, he gets pretty much emails every day. So for us as a club, definitely a bounce. Um, but actually, can I, can I just ask you? Do you think that's because of Glasgow City being a standalone women's club? 
Uh, and I don't mean that to be in any way detrimental to any of the other clubs or to Glasgow City. But but we talk about this with other, other coaches and other managers at other clubs and they feel that as much as they have an advantage in some ways being part of a bigger club, they still see that Glasgow City have more of an advantage being, if you like, self-propelled yeah. and, and, and stand alone. <laughs> it's funny, right? Somebody sent us a link a couple of weeks ago. Um, Millwall Lionesses are splitting away from Millwall. They're going to become London Lionesses, um, which is all great and fantastic. And as per usual, the BBC down south give it a really great bit of PR. I mean, we've been standalone for 21 years. Um, you know, every penny we spend, every penny we raise, we have to raise it ourselves. Um, it's interesting when we do get into the Champions League, you know, we're seeded 14th at the minute. If you look at 10 of the teams above us, you're talking about Lyon, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Chelsea. They're all part of machines that mm. are just firing money into it left, right and centre. Um, you know, and when we do talk about it, I'll give you a couple of examples. But I don't know. Um, does it give us an advantage? Um, yeah, it does actually. And, and possibly because one of the bits of work that we've been doing as a club since I started, Laura and Cass have you know, really bought into this, is we've actually been looking at who we are and what's important about us. Said really nicely and with respect, we're not really interested in Celtic and we're not really interested in Rangers. We're actually only really interested in Glasgow City. Um, you know, these are football clubs that produce football players. I think what we've kind of said is that, you know, we produce football players, but we also produce young women who go on and have great careers outside of football. Um, and if you're not going to be good enough, we'll try to give you the skills and the social skills that might give you a good career. And we've came up with a piece of work where we've been working with Julie Shawbins and Bernie Shawbins from Brandoth, who I think Julie's been in a couple of times with Maureen, talking about bits and pieces. But we're only really worried about us. You know, and there's been some really interesting news in the last couple of weeks. So I think Rangers had put out last week that they're banning, they're stopping all fees for kids in the academy. Well, said really nicely, we won't because we can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, having no fees doesn't mean to say you've got the best coaching and the best proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're just really focusing on us at the minute and you know what we're trying to achieve. And I think we've got the support of our parents largely at the moment, maybe more so than we did at the start of the year because we're starting to be a bit more honest and with regards to what we're doing. And as I said last week, for us with girls from the academy stepping into the first team. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. But, um, yeah, but um, with regards to are we doing enough generally, no. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, I remember sitting at Hamden for the Jamaica game and we shifted 500 tickets for the women's game, the going away game. And whilst we were really delighted that we had 18,000 at it, it kind of sort of confused me that we'd kind of qualified in October and November. We had the Scottish Cup final on the Saturday, so the pitch was pristine. And I kind of sort of thought to myself, wouldn't it have been really cool if we'd had the game on a Sunday afternoon? The stadium had been cleaned up quickly mm-hmm. and we'd had a wee band outside and we'd made it a right family day and we probably could have put five, 6,000 more people on it. And I don't think we do ourselves some favour sometimes upstairs and I do see a drop-off in some of the media and the marketing with regards to the game at national team level since the World Cup and I was really lucky. I spent a week at the World Cup with the SFA on Erasmus programme and I had time with Kevin Murphy and Leanne Ross, who's obviously our captain, was there and seeing these guys, seeing somebody like Leanne sitting in the stand and what it meant to her about Scotland being at it and I just kind of wonder if we've maybe let it drop off a wee bit since we all came back but but for us as a club we're probably more passionate than we were when we met you in March, we've got some amazing people now on a finance board and on a football board that we're, you know that, that are working on a lot of really great ideas but do you, do you find there's similarities? Did you hear some of the conversation we have with Andy earlier on there? You yeah, totally. Things? yeah Does it, is yeah. it the same with the women's game now and, and how difficult has it been 
is. obviously because you stand alone club but you know I know you're right into social media and things yeah. like that you do a lot of that kind of work does that help you? Yeah it does I mean it's interesting Andy talking about um, a business model and stuff like that and a couple of things there would be, you know, I've spent 23 years in HR, so I am a business guy. And what I've managed to sell to Lauren Cass and the board is what we're about to embark on is a business transformation with the academy, with the club. And that sounds a wee bit weird, but, you know, when we talk about business transformation, we talk about the product that we have, football, the processes that we have, whether it be talent management, coaching capability and stuff, and then the platforms, i.e., you know, how do we take the money off our parents on a monthly basis? How do we make sure we're getting gifted? Mm-hmm. So Academy 2020 for us is a bit of a business transformation that's coming up. And, and again, that's what makes us slightly different because, again, not disrespectfully, you range yourself like Hibs Hearts and stuff like that. These are football clubs that are trying to generate football players, first and foremost. We're not. We're trying to create an experience for girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God forbid if we get some really great girls who maybe move down south in the future and maybe when fees come in, we might get something back. But the reason we do it is because we want to give girls the best opportunity. Um so, uh, uh, very similar to what Andy was saying, actually, I'm a big fan of Andy's. Uh, that's actually the first time I've physically met him. I've spoken to him a few times in that on the phone, but I think it resonated with, with us what we're trying to do. So You know, you're talking about 170 girls now involved yeah. as well, for under nine, whatever. How, where does that stand with other clubs, other, other, other women's football teams? Yeah, I mean, we've probably got more than a lot of the bigger clubs simply because... We don't generally turn people away. Yeah. Um, you know, we we find ourselves with an academy that's probably a cross between recreational and elite performance. You know, so we as well, a, you, you must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I think what we need to do is be a little bit more honest with ourselves. So you know, if we want to be in both spaces, recreational and performance, then we need to actually have standards that are fit for both. So we need to be trying to explain to the parents that you know, if little Jenny at the moment, for example, is probably just recreational. We're not going to kind of do away with it. We're going to actually try and make her the best she can be and enjoy the experience there. And you never know, she might actually be a late bloomer and she might make that step mm-hmm. in. But likewise, if you've not got the ability to cut it in performance at the moment, maybe we can put you into recreational and we can kind of try and help you kind of develop some of that stuff. Whereas it's probably a little bit more blunt in some of the other clubs. You know, they're in it for performance and that's it. That's largely not kind of where we're at at the moment, so... Dave, let's talk about Champions League because yeah. what a cracking result you had last week, you know, in Russia against uh, Chertanovo. Yeah. Uh, you've got them again tomorrow. You came back with a one-nil victory from yeah. from Russia, which is no mean feat yeah. uh, in any circumstances. But I think what we tend to forget about a wee bit as well is the fact that Glasgow City are regulars mm-hmm. in the Champions yeah. League, flying the flag for us, yeah. and that in itself needs support. It needs recognition recognition um it, it needs commercial support as much as anything else as well because yeah. this is a champions league this isn't some rinky dink wee league that's been tagged on to something this is the champions league in women's football yeah i mean it's funny um so i was lucky enough to travel last week and uh obviously we had an issue with british airways being on strike so we had to fly easyjet to berlin and then berlin onwards with a, a russian airline on the Tuesday, uh, I think we arrived around about 11 o'clock, 11.30, 45 at the training pitch. Um, we played at effectively Lesser Hamden, the pitch at the Luzniki Stadium, which was the pitch that Croatia used for the World Cup final prep. So we trained late at night, then we had to go back and have a meal, then we had a quick meeting and we put the girls to sleep. But that was that was the Wednesday, the Tuesday, sorry, the Wednesday we played the game and then on the Thursday the girls travel back and they're all back at work on the Friday. Um, that's 28 flights and 28 hotel bedrooms that you we need to magic up the money from 
from somewhere. You know, we've we've not got the ability like Leon have to drive the bus across to Manchester mm-hmm. to meet the girls off the plane and ship them to the the Etihad. You know, we don't have that. We are literally, you know, having to raise every penny. And you know, the names I alluded to, Barcelona, Bayern, Chelsea, they're all ranked higher above us, but we are consistently at that level. And I think, you know, fingers crossed it all goes well tomorrow night. Um, that's us in the last 16. Anything after that other than Kazakhstan would be a <laughs> an amazing draw. Hopefully that, you know, it is the only Champions League football in the city. And we say that with a wee bit of a smile and a little bit bubbly, but... It, it's but it's amazing. true. It is Absolutely amazing. true. Does it annoy you a wee bit? You're playing at Peter Hill uh, Park. Does that annoy it, you a wee bit? It's funny, Frustrate right? you. Frustrate you. It, it's funny because we've just been up there today. We've trained at four o'clock and, you know, you've got Lauren Montgomery who's puts her heart and soul into it and her mum and dad and Cass mm-hmm. setting tables out for a delegate meeting at half ten in the morning. You don't see the level of de- detail that goes into that. It's mm-hmm. no different to the Men's Champions League. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching a couple of girls at training, pre-training the night in Moscow and you just look at the bibs and it's the same logo on the back fundamentally and you think, Christ, this is the Champions League and yeah. I know it is a, a, a lover of men's football that... It's just as special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've came back and we've drilled it really hard at the girls at the academy who are like nine-year-old up and said, you know, maybe one day you'll be a Champions League player. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why there's not as much interest in the media in Scotland. And you've got the girls from Hibs tonight. Again, they've got the same gig, travelling out, taking time off of work. And, you know, our girls tonight have had to come in from work. They've got to go train. We'll have a meal tonight. We'll stay in a hotel. Not, not too far away from here, but a couple of them have to go in tomorrow and work in schools and teach. Mm-hmm. And then we have to pick them up at four o'clock and they're about to play a Champions League match at night. It's mm-hmm. absolutely nuts. Yeah. So I don't think we probably pay it as much attention. And, you know, today was simply a... I dropped you in a message and said, could you do me a favour and just call the game out? The kick-off time and that. And he said, no, get yourself in, Dave. And, absolutely. But, yeah, we, sh- we should be blown blown this up. Oh, no, I, listen, I agree. I know you've got great sponsors in SSE and in Scottish Building Society yeah. in terms of the league and everything like that. Uh, uh, let me go back to the yeah. World Cup a wee bit and that, that bounce that you were talking about. Are you disappointed that there's not been more commercial interest in the women's game in Scotland on the back of it? It's it's quite a difficult one because I don't want to criticise the people that, that govern the game because they, they do an amazing job, all of them, um, at the SWF and at the SFA, but you know, we're at probably a real crossroads now for the game in Scotland in that we know that we're going to get approached probably by sponsors who might not be perceived to be initially ethically correct, whether it be a drinks company or a, you know maybe a betting company or something like that. I think we now need to be looking a little bit more broadly about you know who we do get on board to invest money in. I know currently at the moment I think... Can, can I just stop you there? Yeah. Because I, the ethically correct thing, and I know that this is a big thing yeah. for current sponsors, Yeah more than anybody else because they see their brands in a certain way and rightly so and they have supported women's football you know for a while now Scottish Building Society and SSE yeah. and so from that point of view I can understand a bit of brand protectionism yeah. um, but you know at the end of the day the people who buy houses the people who save the people who use electricity yeah. all have a flutter at the bookies and you know and, and Ladbrokes yeah. are, are sponsoring the, the men's yeah. game up until the end of is it next yeah. season I think it is or this season yeah. but anyway you know and who knows who's going to take it over from there I can understand fully how both the current sponsors you know would look at that and, and I don't have any issues with it at all I think they have done a magnificent job for the sponsorship that they've done but I think it's you've, there's got to come a point and you say there is a crossroads now there could be a tipping point here where you've got to look at things and yeah. say it's okay taking the moral high ground yeah. but it's like defence lawyers criminal defence lawyers 
one of them, if, if one doesn't defend a murderer, somebody else will. Yeah. It's interesting, um, there was a pot of money, which I think was a surplus um, from the World Cup that was paid to the SFA, um, which I still think they're trying to work out what to do with it. And, and well, I thought 5% of that money was going automatically back into the game or whatever yeah, it was. But I think there's a bit and of... I think Ian Maxwell made a bang, was banging a drum about it. He was. I think it's interesting, though, because from being in the club, I think we have a view, I think our view has been interesting that rather than just divvying it up and giving it out pro rata based on what clubs we have in the league and what clubs have done, I think there is a bit of a feeling that maybe we do need to think about how we could actually spend it collectively and invest in something that would allow us all to grow you know, at a quicker pace. So rather than giving everybody 30, 30k or something like that, which obviously would be great, um, you know, maybe if we put it all together and we all got together and we actually worked out how to spend it, we might get something better longer term. So we might get a legacy rather than just, you know, mm. throwing it away on buses and kit and stuff like that for training. So um, I do think we're actually at a point. I mean, we've got, we're very lucky. We have two people who are fundamentally 21 years passionate about Glasgow City, Laura and Cass, um, who've surrounded themselves with some really good people now. So there's a challenge, um, but you know we're not doing too badly at the moment. Yeah, I think 12 titles in a row, hopefully about to tie up the 13th. So, you know, while we lose players to Rangers and Celtic and others, who knows? Um, it's up for us and Scott to convince them to stay. What about tomorrow night? Any injuries? Any uh, problems? Uh, no, no. Uh, looks uh, uh, touch wood at the moment. It appears to be that we have a full bill of health. I mean, they're an amazing little club that we're playing. Um, just to give you a bit of background, are they the same as the men's teams in Russia? Did they not travel very well? <laughs> Well, I, I would suggest that this is the first time these girls probably will have been out of the country. Really? Right? Absolutely. So um, if anybody sees them tomorrow night, they're very young. Average age, circa 18, 19. We've, lost, we've watched a lot of Russian football games last month. Um, you know, we actually got them... Mis, mis, uh, we mistook them for the ball girls, actually, when we went over there. But, <laughs> but they, they're a region out with Moscow. Uh, they're a little bit similar to Atletico Bilbao. Um, mm-hmm. They said nicely they're not really interested in the... The senior game, getting to the Russian Super League, got by, by, by pure fluke. The men's team have been more successful than planned and they're actually in the second division. But they fundamentally just generate boys and girls in their academy to become professional football players and they take the income and they invest it back in. Um, all kids in the academy are from Chetanovo. So, you know, they're regional, they're local. They don't spend any money buying and selling. Um, you know, and if they take girls back, they have had to come from the region. They're all professional full-time professionals at 18, 19. So we've got girls who are working. So you have a guy who coaches them who is the ex-national team manager. So he's got them at his disposal, full-time, full-stop. How frustrating is that for you when you see that? Um, it's heartbreaking, but there's been a few heartbreaking moments this season. I've been lucky enough to take some of the other teams to Hibs training ground and other training grounds to play games, and you think, you know, if we just had that, it would be yeah. dicing on the see, cake. See, that's... You kind of spoke about it, you kind of nailed it in the head yeah. earlier on about the frustration of the World Cup billing teams... If you if you check to how the other countries in the World Cup they've how they've progressed, like the USA obviously are, are, are a different animal. Yeah, other teams in the Europe, how 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 have the women's game? Yeah. Know, has it be progressed? But a lot of the a lot of the countries that took part, the women's game is far more advanced Aye, than, than ours that. anyway. Yeah. In terms of the way it's structured, the finance, and that it's been going a lot longer. But, but you still need an event like that to to progress it even yeah, more. Yeah, no, no, well, I agree. Know, so I, you know, I thought we were going to. Go they, further. And we smashed. Uh, they smashed a billion viewers during the World Cup. Um, prize money was thirty million dollars. The men's game's four hundred million. So the French national team, the men's team, took home thirty-nine million dollars, which was more than the twenty-four countries at the Women's World Cup. So that needs to change clearly. Um, interestingly, we had a couple of guest visits from the American coaching staff when we were away. 
and they were saying that they anticipated quite a lot of the American women now moving to Europe because the money in the WSL in England is starting to get better than it is in the college game and the, right. the US game. So um, there's definitely more money fishing around. The English game definitely appears to be at the top. The French games, obviously, you know, likewise up there as well. We need to look at things, Ewan was asking me before, we need to look at things like compensation and stuff like that in Scotland. I mean, we could have had girls that maybe been with us six, seven, eight years and Okay. They could phone us tomorrow morning and say, look, I don't want to play anymore and we have yeah. to cancel the registration and then yeah. pop up two weeks later. So that's a thing that happens in the men's yeah. football where they've yeah. come through an academy fee and they get an academy fees and things. Yeah. That, 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 that's not a Disney stand in the... It doesn't at the moment. And I think these are the kind of things at that tipping point we're at now where we need to create a new administration that makes us more professional and more like... maybe. Who does game. that, Dave? So at the moment, it's the WF, Fiona McIntyre, and the team, they do an amazing job. Fiona works mm. exceptionally hard with Lorna and the guys. But, you know, at some stage, everything kind of outgrows possibly what we've got. And, you know... And who would make that ruling then? Or would that have to be a UEFA ruling? Or? I don't know. I think it probably would be a disconsideration between SWF, SFA, probably UEFA, FIFA. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, we need... things. Need there to is a bit of a movement for it, though, Dave, now, isn't there? It's, there's quite a lot of traction on this one. There is. I think there's definitely conversations going along. They're in the same corridor, fundamentally, as it is, just sitting in different rooms. So, but, yeah, so I think we're at a stage of having to change. But tomorrow night... Um, half past seven kickoff, twelve fifty adults, six fifty under sixteens. All our academy are going. It's a free night for academy, so you know we're looking at a healthy crowd as well. And as I said, the three girls getting in last week, I think, has created a, a bit more interest. And one thing I think in the last six months, we've worked hardest on is getting the academy and the first team closer together. And you know we've got some amazing coaches who are working really, really hard. You know, he said mention his name, but Jerry Mannion and a number of others and stuff like that who give up a lot of time. So, so we're hopeful under the lights. It, Peter Hill and Craig Pollock. Uh, Craig Pollock's come along to do the Very show on tomorrow night, yeah. so we've got good. some good music and yeah. some fun entertainment on the night. So we've got kids on the pitch at half time and all that stuff. So and you're hoping for some good Scottish weather, pouring rain or whatever. I think we are looking for some Scottish weather, which yeah, I think well, we're going to get. This is a team from Russia. Do you think there's anything we can throw at them that they've never seen? No, but they don't travel. But it is interesting. I do genuinely believe they won't have been out of the country. I think this. Yeah. I think this will be their first trip. I suspect. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, how do, that do you know what? Here, then, Dave, make sure the team. Bus goes to the boat mendy Peter Hill Park so they've got to walk up through the scheme first yeah. go, oh, here we go a a, a give them a map of every chippy in Glasgow <laughs> yeah totally but no fingers crossed everything goes well so and that'll be last 16 alright well listen it's always good to see you you're yeah, welcome you. any time uh, maybe you can persuade Mr Booth to come in as well and have a word with us I, I did mention I was coming in so he definitely would do that I think it's just maybe the wrong night I think we're sitting watching they will be sitting watching videos at the moment and I'm not talking about films and movies so we're yeah. going across now to do that so. alright yeah, well listen stuff. Dave always good to see you Thank and you uh, good luck for tomorrow hope it all goes well brilliant and, and remember uh, it's the only Champions League in Glasgow absolutely absolutely so when would the draw be Dave? I think it's in a couple of weeks' time. Right, so, okay. um, yeah, fingers crossed we'll let you know. As I said, Kazakhstan is in the heart they won yesterday. Do they do the draw in these exotic places like they do yeah. the men's draw? Yeah, we send our media team go across for the live draw. Yeah, fantastic. So need an, need need, a, need anybody you build, to join you your media back, team? We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, do the rock spot spot right live from <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Ali Graham, news at ten. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. There Cheers, we are. Dave, Dave Bouglis there talking to us. Uh, Dave is uh, head of uh, operations at Glasgow City. Glasgow City 
in Champions League action tomorrow at Peters Hill. Uh, go along and support them because it is the only Champions League in Glasgow, as David has been saying to us. Yep. So uh, good luck to them tomorrow. Uh, let's move on to the Betfred Cup tonight and uh, catch up with our man at Livingston at the Tony Macaroni Stadium. Uh, Bob Smith's here for Rock Sport. Hi, good evening to you, Bill. And just looking at the team lines and the manager of Rangers, something we don't know, it's down as Derek McInnes and assistant manager Tony Dawkinson. Anyway, we'll let Livy talk their way out of that. But uh, no doubt, Rangers are the club who have to win tonight as a show to the supporters. That it's not a case of it, but most definitely, you know, they really have to win that silverware and it starts tonight. And the talk yesterday with Klopp, the Liverpool gaffer, stating that Gerard should be the next Liverpool boss. This leaves, you know, obviously the fans wondering what's happening. And it's all very well, but the Ibex side have to win trophies. Prior to that, and you can be sure that that target is something that Jared's hammered in to his players and all the staff. Mention one side ready, though, to knock everything on the head and so capable of doing just that. And it is Livingston who have started the season well. Also, they've added boost of playing on their home synthetic surface. And we all know that it's not the most popular with the Rangers squad. And also, uh, Rangers disappointed Barker, who played well on uh, last week for Rangers on Sunday. Uh, you know, during the week it was actually uh, before that through injury he's out so a great chance for another player to shine as they push for that semi-final play so in goals for Livingston it's Garbage then it's Devlin Lamy McMillan Guthrie Bartley Suda Jacobs Lawless Crawford and Dykes for Rangers it's McGregor Tavernier and Hellander goals from Jack and Ojo Arrivo Kamara Morelis Barisic and Arfield our referee tonight is Colin Stevens and this is Bob Smith for Rocksport Radio at the Tony Macaroni Arena. Livingston versus Ranger. All right, Bob, thanks for that. Let's move on and speak to Brian Rayburn. It was a good weekend for the Jambos at Easter Road, but they're going for more glory tonight against Aberdeen at Tynecastle. Brian? Yes, good evening and perfect conditions for football from Tynecastle. We're hearts face Aberdeen in this Betfred League Cup quarterfinal tie. Hearts, as you said, built battle to a priceless 2-1 league victory against Hibs on Sunday and now have an opportunity to secure a cup semi-final place this evening. Craig Levine knows the home support will be looking for a win, and his half selection sees one change with McLean, Staffing, clear drops to the bench, and a reshuffle in what still looks like a 4-4-2 formation. So perhaps we have Pereira in goal across the back, Smith, Pereira, Halkett and Hickey. In the midfield, Mulraney, Whelan, Damour and Machino, and up front, McLean and Piazu. Aberdeen unbeaten in their last four league outings with a 2-0 away win at Livingston on Saturday. But this is a cup tie and Derek McInnes will want to continue the winning streak and secure a semi-final slot. Is Aberdeen starting 11 this evening with three changes from Saturday? Also looks like a 4-4-2 with Cosgrove, McLean and Wilson replacing Viner, McGinn and Main who all dropped to the bench. We have in goal Lewis across the back, Logan, Lee, Considine and Devlin. Midfield, Hedges, McLennan, Ferguson and Campbell. And up front, Cosgrove and Wilson. The referee this evening is Mr Clancy for what promises to be a close contest. This is Brian Ribbon for Rocksport Radio at Tynecastle for this Betfred League Cup tie where it's Harps against Aberdeen. Thanks very much, Brian. Now, Hibs were in the receiving end of that resurgent uh, Hearts result at the weekend they're travelling to Kilmarnock tonight to play on the 3G uh, our man there, John Brody. Yes, good evening everyone, welcome to Rugby Park for tonight's Betfred Cup quarter final match between Kilmarnock and Hibernian 
both sides come into the game on the back of weekend defeats. But the prize for the winners of a last four place in a National Cup semi-final should bring its own motivation. Kelly were brought down to earth on Sunday as their four-match unbeaten run was halted by Celtic. But it's only two weeks since Hibs were beaten here at Rugby Park on league business. So Kilmarmock should come into the match with some measure of confidence. The manager has made two changes from the weekend game. He starts with Nescu and Paul, O'Donnell, Finlay, Del Fabro and Hamelainen, Power, Dicker, El Macrini, Sinclair, Brophy and Burke. Hibs have won winning six games. They come into the match on the back of derby defeat, as Bill has mentioned already. That defeat saw them fall to second bottom of the Premiership and manager Paul Heckenbottom's position has come under further pressure. The manager held clear the air talks with his players this week in an effort to move forward and he's made three changes to the weekend's team. He starts with Maxwell in goal, James Porteous, Hanlon and Stevenson, Bella, Malin and Halberg, Middleton, Horgan and Deutsch up front. The next referee is Willie Collum. Kilmarnock have not reached the semi-finals of this cup since 2012, which was the year that they actually won the League Cup. And Hibs last made the semi-final in 2017 when they lost at that stage to eventual winners Celtic. A day at Hamden Park awaits the winners. This is John Brody for Roxford Radio Rugby Park, with Kilmarnock take on Hibernian. Thank you, John. There you are. There's a, a fair a, a array of ties to get your teeth into there. Uh, Mr Graham and of course Celtic are at home tonight to Thistle uh, Thistle on the brink of civil war it would seem Ali uh, mm. so let's start with Celtic against Thistle and uh, Ian McCall bringing Archie back to the club yep. uh, Neil Scally there as well I'm just wondering what your thoughts are uh, for this one very difficult for him to get back there obviously um, Celtic are flying at the minute Bill um, but we want to go in there and, and try and get the team and it's Possibly try to get some confidence for to get into the league games. I'm not expecting them to go there, and, and, and I don't think they're expecting to go there and win the game. But um, having looked at the Celtic team, obviously they're, they're strong in every department, and I would expect Celtic to win that pretty comfortably. But um, I think it's all about confidence for Thistle at the minute. I think they need to try and get into you know the way Ian McCall's wanting them to play. There's a few big characters in that team there as well that I know that Ian doesn't like that kind of thing. It's more of a team game for him, so I think that's where they have to be. But, you know, I, I fear they might get a bit of a drop in the night, Bill. Thistle AGM tomorrow night. Would you agree with me that there's more questions than answers at the minute at Fir Hill with all the talk that's going on? I mean, I, I'm hearing there could be yet another bid on top of the weird bid today, on top of the bid from the Chinese consortium. That, that's a thing. That's a thing. You're right. You're 100% spot on speaking to different Thistle fans. Even spoke to one yesterday, um, a big pal of mine who'd said that he wants to see the weird uh, bid coming back in, but his pals want the Chinese bid back in. So I think I don't think they know what's happening. I think the fans are kind of split with who they want in charge. At the end of the day, Bill, they just want a winning team on the park. They've not been getting that recently. Ali, with the best will in the world as well, and I know Shuggy says this all the time, oh, players are professional, what goes off the park, it doesn't come on the park. For me, that's nonsense. You yeah, know, when, you, when you've got so much turmoil in a club, and it doesn't matter how professional the players are, the manager is, when you've got so much turmoil on in the club, and for me... The weird thing is a definite distraction. This is a personal opinion, no more, no less. That ship has been in harbour before. It yep. wasn't successful. No. Um, you've got to ask yourself, what would change? 
Well, I can tell you, Bill, because I was part of the team that was the Save the Jags thing at the time. They offered me a contract, then couldn't offer me a contract. I'll be back in the 90s. I was part of Falkirk, as you know, but yeah. Josh Fulson was there. And I'll tell you, there was bad blood going about that place, and it didn't matter who you were, you were getting booed. So it really affects the players, Bill. 100%, Shug's right, 100% affects the players. And, you know, and, and as I say to you, there's a couple of big eagles in that dressing room as well, and it's just a case of they think me and McCall's coming along out the door. So there's a bit of turmoil there, and they need to try and sort it quickly, or else they're going to find themselves detached at the bottom of the league. All right, let's uh, get your prediction score-wise. Uh, 3-0 Celtic. 3 nothing. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. And, and one thing I will say as well, and you, you've mentioned the Celtic team, it's a strong team. Uh, Neil Lennon and Stephen Gerrard taking this very seriously. Uh, Stephen Gerrard, pretty much a full-strength team as well. Um, so it's uh, Livy against Rangers. Rangers and Celtic, neither of them looked particularly comfortable and didn't on the surface at the Tony Macaroni last season. Well, that's what, sorry, Bill. That's what I meant to ask, Bill, when he, he was there, because obviously stopping the studio, we can't see whether the rain's on or not, because yeah. that park will play a bit better if it's raining. But so. Stephen Gerrard is taking it very seriously. Yeah. You know, Neil Lennon could be going for another treble. Uh, Rangers want to win the league, but they want to stop that treble as well. Um, your thoughts on tonight's game? I thought Livy, how Livy didn't win at the weekend against Aberdeen is an absolute mystery to me. Well, Aberdeen just hung on in there, and you know, my, my early season predictions about Aberdeen, but they're, they're on a bit of a run at the minute as well. Um, uh, so, you know, a difficult win. The last game, red card, a couple of refereeing decisions, Rangers run out winners. But it's a different game at their part, Bill. It's, it's more difficult. I don't know whether, I'll, I'll tell you the now, if Lith goes back in and he's not, because he's the long throw specialist where balls go directly into the box. Um, so Golson and Helner will be able to deal with that, but he's not playing, so I don't know what their approach will be. But you were telling me as well, they play some decent football at times, Livingston. I, I thought and they were excellent yeah. at the weekend. Yeah. In fact, they, they, they should have been out of sight in that game. Yeah. Chris Erskine had two cracking opportunities uh, on Saturday. And I don't think they get credit for due at time. I, I actually think, Ali, and I'm being honest, I think they're a better footballing team this season than they were last season. Well, that says a lot then, because obviously Dykes is back in the night again. Um, and there's a couple of players in there that we lawless will be conducting things with midfield with Jacob. So they're a decent side, Bill. You mm. know, and their league position doesn't lie at the minute. And it was nit and tuck, went it a wee bit of Ibrox until Rangers get the goals later on. So Rang Rangers found uh, Rangers found it difficult uh, against St Johnson in the first half. And, and and for me, what they did was they played a slow. Deliberate build-up, uh, and then it lets players get behind the ball, and Rangers just didn't seem to be able to unlock it. Yeah. Having said that, they didn't play with a lot of width, yeah. even though they had Brandon Barker and they had Shea Ojo on the park. They didn't play with a lot of width. Yeah. You know, Barker and Ojo were coming in uh, on top of Morelis. Second half, Rangers were a different team completely and they, they were just all over St Johnston but they were running at players and I don't think Rangers are the type of player uh, the type of team similar to Celtic see this playing out from the back and across the, the midfield I don't think it works for them they've got good players they've got flair players both of the teams and I think that Rangers need to 
capitalise on the strength that they've got as, with players and, and that's go at teams yep. go at teams totally agree with pull you. men out drag yep. men out yep. and, and utilise the space in behind get, them get the ball to the players that can hurt people absolutely get the guys switched on and if they're one and one once they shift the ball and they get it back and they eventually because they double up on these guys that are, that are dangerous once they shift the ball enough times to get one and one They've got to take the guy's own bill and then I've got to get the byline and cut it back for the strikers. James Forrest in, in Sunday was sensational. It's the best I've seen him playing for a while. So the only thing he didn't do was score a goal. I, I don't know how he did he score it. He had the post limit three times. I know. But, but just as you're saying, flair players who can go and commit and set the ball up for the strikers. And Rangers have got them in their team yep. and, and they just, for some reason... And I'll tell you something. You see, if you play that way against Livy tonight, on this part. they'll be hard to break down yeah, again. And yeah. they can steal goals, Livy, from yeah. any team. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and it all depends on the park. Is if it's sticky or if it's slick. If it's slick, Rangers should be able to move the ball quicker on it. What's your thoughts on the, the result for this I'm one? I'm going to go 2-1 Rangers. 2-1 Rangers, OK. So that's Rangers and... Celtic. Celtic in the draw for the next uh, the, the semi-finals. Uh, your next one is Hearts against Aberdeen. You would think that Hearts are on the crest of a wave coming off that win at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully going to turn it round, but will they? No, not for me. I think Aberdeen are also on a crest of a wave. And I know you're saying they maybe should have got beat. They're scoring goals, Bill. Um, I think Aberdeen will be too strong for them. I think that was a wee, uh, you know, haven't seen seen the the, the the Edinburgh Derby a draw I think would have been a fair result, um, you know especially after the goal that the last goal that they got the winner as you say they didn't hit the deflection that would have anyway. Yeah. But it's just one of the ones where they got the wee break. But but tonight I just think Aberdeen are strong. I think they've put a decent team and I think, Bill, this is the only chance the Aberdeens. The Hearts, the Hibs, have got to win in a trophy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Because, you know, this is the only chance, because they're not going to win the league. They've got to fire no cylinders in the cup games. And if they can get a wee run and get a decent draw in the semi-final, they're in the final, and then anything can happen in a final. Mm. But I think Aberdeen will be too strong for them. All right, give me a result. I'm going to go 2-1 Aberdeen. All right, we'll come back to Kelly and Hibs in just a minute, because I want to bring on our final guest. Uh, and there's a reason I want to bring our final guest on, because he's waiting for one thing. Right. And for another thing, uh, he's a committee member at, at Wisher Juniors. And I have to say that they were the victims yeah. of a scandalous uh, vandalistic attack, which resulted in arson and the clubhouse and facilities being burned down. Alec Young, Alec, this must be absolutely devastating for the club. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, when we heard the news on Saturday, we were playing away at East of White Thistle, and we got a phone call that the park was on fire, and we feared the worst. Was that uh, on getting there? Sorry, sorry, Alec. I was going to say, was that before, just when you were going to the game, or was that after the game, or during the game? No, no, that? it was during, during the game. Jeez it was oh. during the game. Yeah. Uh, Wilson Patterson, one of the committee members, got a phone call and said, "Is that the park was on fire?" Uh, Wilson's son, Mark, was at a funeral, and he was his way back to a funeral, so he was the nearest to Wisher, so he went in and confirmed to us that the the park was on fire. Um, it was a two-story building that we were working on to build new dressing rooms. Uh, the fire brigade got there really quickly, and all credit to them, they have saved the upper floor. It's only the ground floor that has been wiped out. Uh, the upper floor is just maybe smoke damage, but we can get that done. We can get that repaired. But um, 
No, it was quite devastating to find that out after the work we've done. I think it's three yeah. years of working in that building to get new dressing rooms. And, and I think one of the other things, Alec, which needs to be said, and this is where it makes it all the more difficult to cope with and swallow, is the fact that it was built by money raised by volunteers that was put into the, the building. Yeah, but it's, uh, and when it's spare money, we were putting it in there, we were getting donations towards building it. Um, it was, there was not, I don't think there was many tradesmen involved in doing it. It was all done with our own work and friends of Wisher Juniors that were in doing favours for us. That's the way we went ahead with it because we didn't have the, we don't have the money to stay built two new dressing rooms. Absolutely devastating stuff because I'll tell you what happens as well. Alec, the, the fact that your game might be postponed at the weekend, that's, you know, you maybe need to hire another park. It's just more money and more money into it. Well, it's been confirmed that um, thankfully the SGFA and Coulter have agreed to postpone the game until the 5th of October now. Yeah. To give us time to clear the debris from the side of the park. Um, obviously, the fire brigade took out most of the, the floor and it was still intact in case it reignited, and also the windows smashing, there's glass lying about the sides of the park, whereby all our committee work bar one, that's Robert, and he's not fat enough to do that, so we're only getting about an hour, an hour and a half window each night to get stuff done, so that is why we asked for a postponement yeah. on Saturday's game, uh, with a guarantee that we'll have it ready for the following Saturday. Let me ask you as well, because uh, I, I'm assuming that the, the building was insured and insurance will will cover... A, 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 no, a, a, no, no, it, it wasn't. Was, it was not insured. It was, we tried to get insurance for the room, but we couldn't get it insured because it wasn't a completed building. Um, oh, and because dear. it was a modular building, it was difficult to get insurance for it. And also because it was situated like inside a, a park that was only maybe a six-foot fence came round about it. Um, so we couldn't get insurance on it. We did try, but we couldn't get insurance on it. So there was no, there was no insurance. Good God. Uh, so it's down to fundraising again then, getting money to do all this. Yep. In which we, we started a uh, Just Giving page, and um, it's been phenomenal. The support we've had from people in Wisher, companies in Wisher, friends of Wisher, friends of committee, friends of players, I mean, the support is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's just under £3,000 just now that we have had donated. Plus, we've had maybe some offers of tradesmen willing to help us out. That's what we need now as uh, tradesmen. If we've got the finances to buy the material, uh, we need tradesmen because, as I say, we're working full-time. We're only getting done at nights or weekends. Alec, was there any other damage just just the, just the building itself, or was there any damage to the you know the the, the drive up to it, the, the parker, etc.? No, no, no. Just the, the actual building itself. Um, I, my opinion, and this is only my opinion, we're looking at when I saw on Sunday um, with the damage that was done. It's to me, it looks like it was a waste paper bin. It was set in fire. And I don't know if it's been kicked over or knocked over, if it's just kind of melted and fell over. Mm. And the, that fire has then spread underneath the container. Um, if you saw pictures of it, it's the, the corner of the container at the halfway line that caught up first, and the flames that just came from underneath uh, the, the, the container. That is why it was put down as arson because it was it was deliberate, you know. Mm. Yeah. I believe you've had uh, a, 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 at least one uh, high-profile donation, I think I'm right in saying. 
Yep, yeah, uh, one of the first people to donate was uh, Robert Snodgrass, who uh, pledged £500 to it, which we're very grateful. Um, and also our main sponsor, Jerry Duffy, has um, donated quite handsomely as well. Um, we also had uh, Twitter as the AS Roma had um, made his team of the week, and they're telling us they're going to now send us a signed Roma top. Oh, really? Or raffle or whatever. <laughs> wow. So is that is that the, the beauty of Twitter and all that, the, the social media and that kind yeah, of thing, well, Alec? It seems to be. I'm, I'm oh. not really on Twitter a lot. It's uh, one of our committee members, Mark Patterson, he's yeah. on Twitter all the time, and he's, he's, he's been dealing with the social media side of it, which has been absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. It's caught the imagination then. Um, I, I'm assuming what it has done, though, is it's brought all Wisher fans together and, and the people of Wisher now are kind of pulling together with you. Well, absolutely. Um, especially in a financial way. Um, hopefully some of them turn out of the games and see uh, exactly what the damage was or see what we've been trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully we can go forward from there and give them a club for the town to be proud of. All right, well, listen, we wish you luck, and I hope it goes well and you get everything sorted. Um, I don't... I find it bizarre that you can't... You know, if you take all necessary precautions, I find it bizarre you can't ensure something like that, but never mind. Uh, Alec, thanks for coming on with us, and good luck to everybody okay, at Wisher. No and, and just tell us okay. about your Just Giving page in case people elsewhere want to give a wee bit to help you out with this. If you go through the and on a wish Junior's Twitter account, there'll be a link on that that takes you to the Just Given page. So it's Wisher Junior's uh, FC. All right, buddy. Excellent. Thanks very Alec. much, and good luck with that. Right. Thanks, Alec. Bye bye. Alec Young, there, committee member of uh, Wisher Juniors, uh, talking to us tonight about that terrible fire that they fired. I mean, it's he's. Just, you know, we're talking about clubs tonight, Bill, where they're trying to, you know, Dave in and talking about the things, the money it costs, everything. And, I know. And I, 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 team, I, I, you look, know? just, and I don't see what, what people get out of it. It does nothing for them. What satisfaction does it give them destroying property Absolutely like that? Absolutely terrible. And there's people dedicated their lives to these wee clubs, you know, and they're there all the time and try to get things Absolutely. done. Absolutely. I believe Rangers are a goal up through Glen Kamara. Yep. 1-0, uh, four minutes. I, I don't know what happened, but there go. Rangers scored, that's what happened. I know. But my, that's all you need to know. My two man's not looking good. All you need to know, massive <laughs> deflection apparently, says uh, No, well, Bill, Bill will not think you and it was a massive deflection. Nah, you nah. Know. nah, nah. The Bob is going in anyway. Be a great saying. goal, be a great goal. Glenn yeah. Kamara, good on him. There good. you go. Well, there you go. He's come, uh, out, he's come <laughs> out of darkness, isn't he? Pardon? He's come in out of the dark and he's come in. He's come into the team again. I mean, he's no. He was he's only of, missed one game. No, but a lot of guys weren't well, happy yeah. the way he was playing. So he's got a goal. He's that's him. his first season. I don't know. See, understand? I think it will be. Yeah. Uh, John Brody was with us at Kelly against Hibbs, and this is one to be honest with you. That I don't know that I could call Kelly Hibbs. Do you know what? I, I wanted to ask him what their way support was like the night. If the fans had travelled through. To see them after the result at the weekend, mm. I just wonder, you know, because I think a lot of them have geared up, Bill. I really do. I think a lot of them have geared up. And if they if they go, it'll only be to 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 put a demonstration on or whatever. How big a cu- how big a custard pie is it for us that we all went for Hibs being a top three team this a- season? Absolutely, the way they ended last season, and, and you always think. I mean, we've bummed up the Edinburgh teams for the last few years. I mean, you know, especially when Lenny. And, Where's it gone wrong for them, Ali? I really think? honestly don't know. I, I just think that Heckenbottom's come in and, and maybe found that 
Maybe he is right. Maybe he's trying to change things and he didn't need to change anything, Bill. Mm. And and it's worked against him. I do believe... Well, he's, he's up against another manager who tried to change things, but seems to go back to the, the tried and tested ways of Steve Clark now. Mm. Uh, Alessio uh, is getting, re- getting results. And the general feeling I hear is that he's now going back to the way they were playing when Steve Clark was in charge. And that was getting getting 10 guys behind the ball and lining up along the 18-yard line, because that's already done on Sunday. So, and by the way, they still scored and got a penalty kick. So, you don't need to go attacking teams, Bill. Sit in and wait your minute and try and get a couple of goals. Sometimes you just have to win ugly. You know absolutely, that. Absolutely. You know absolutely. That. But, you know, the thing about say about Hubs is the fact that we've mentioned before is their defence is, apart from Portis, you know, there are a couple of guys there that are getting to the end of their time and I think... He must know guys. I always the think they miss though. David Gray as well when yeah, David Gray is a wholehearted player. Yeah, I just, I just think he's he's a captain that leads yeah. by example. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think he's been a good servant to the club. Yeah, um, and I think they miss him whenever whenever he's not there. I really yeah, I do, if I'm you. honest yeah. with you. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you. But you know, that's down to the manager if contacts down in England where he's got them and, and try and get guys up. Could do a job. You're not telling me guys in the championship can do a job either. I mean, you, you know, you say that, Ali, but yeah. you know, look at the amount of players that do come to this country. Oh, I, do, I know, I know. From I know. from abroad and from south of the border, and they get caught out with the physicality. They yeah. get caught out with the pace. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them come up with the wrong attitude as well. They come up that's thinking a big it's thing. Scotland, big, and, yeah. and you know we're better See, than them, the and factor. all the rest of it. You're right. That's the big question. That's the big question when they come up, and it's no as Mickey Mouse as they think it is when they come up it's not Mickey Mouse at all of course it's not and I never quite understand people using that analogy the company that run Mickey Mouse are one of the most successful companies in the, the universe I alright well they are right. it doesn't right. make any sense to say somebody you're a Mickey Mouse company that Mickey Mouse company is a huge company making billions you know of dollars I mean. year after you know year I mean. after year you know what I mean no I'm not picking at you people say Aye. it with regularity, and yeah. I just think to myself, do you know anything about the Mickey Mouse Company? See that Mickey Mouse Company yeah. has its own hospital, its own university, yeah. its own farms to grow food, which they use in the Mickey Mouse kingdoms and lands oh, and various other things. Magic, ah, huh? magic, magic kingdom. <laughs> 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 uh, but listen, don't forget, the couple of guys going for the Premiership down to the Championship that can't that can hack it either. Well, what's happening with, with Shinny? Is he back in the Derby team or is he still playing uh, in the 21s? I've, seen, I've or not what? seen Derby playing. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that he went there and he, he's actually thinking He's not he's played playing. a minute all season, Ewan's just told me. Well, there you go. So, something wrong there, isn't there? And I liked him as well. He could still be doing a job. But by the way, and I mentioned it to you, imagine him in the midfield of Hibs. Oh no, I agree. Listen, I agree with you. But here's the thing: an agent speaks in your ear, and you go from making three grand a week to twenty grand a week, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, football doesn't matter, does it? Absolutely not. Go down there and earn your twenty grand a week for not kicking a ball. Yeah, well, oh dear me. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, when I wish you I think was, about it. Wish I was uh, any more goals from anywhere, son? No, 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 everywhere. Um, no, 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 it's not no, no, everywhere. No, 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 everywhere. Bar um, the Tony Macaroni. Sunderland are just taking the lead at Sheffield United down there. So <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Are you only looking at the Chelsea game? are beating Grimsby? Are you, only, are you only looking at the, the games in your coupon? Is that what you do? No, you got the no, 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 I've not got up a there. Is that what it is? No, I don't, I don't do that kind of thing, Bill. No, you do. No, I don't. You sit, you sit and agonise over it some weeks in the office Absolutely. before we come on here. 
Uh, there you go. <laughs> but having said that, what, what have you got? What, what did you have marked for tonight in the uh, in the bet, Fred? The bet, Fred. I took um, I took Celtic um, to score over two and a half goals, and I've taken uh, Aberdeen to beat Hearts. I've taken Kelly Hibbs both teams to score, and I've taken um, Rangers um, negative one against Livingston. Oh, okay. But um, I must admit that I was quite surprised at the. The odds on Aberdeen and Hearts, where Aberdeen for me are five to two at the minute in play, against Hearts who are five to four at home and obviously the favourites, which I find strange. I find but, it bizarre, frankly. But, but, but can I tell you, Bill? Being me, the bookies are not often that wrong. No, that's, they're that's they're true. They're that not. Rang. They're not wrong very often, Absolutely. are they? Absolutely. To be honest Absolutely. with you. Um, did you give me a scoreline for Kelly against Hibbs? I didn't actually. But it's no no at the minute, so yeah. I'm going to go for a 1 1. 1 1. Yeah, I think they'll get a draw. Mm, I think okay. they'll get a draw. All right. um, whether that helps the fans or whatever, obviously it'll get played out. So hold on, something happening. That's Aberdeen. What is it? Nah, okay, sorry. Nothing happened. <laughs> I thought something Penalty. Penalty Aberdeen. Penalty to Aberdeen. Yep. Cosgrove started. Yep. So he'll be taking it then. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be him going to, what, 13 goals this season when he bangs that in? I'll tell you, I've many penalties. Somebody said that to me the other night there, but a wee argument, Bill, can I just have the, you know, if I've got time, a wee argument on the chat with the boys about about um, Harry Kane and Harry Kane, where he's going to go. Pochettino, obviously, after they get knocked out the, the cup, it seems to me Pochettino's working his ticket and the boys are arguing on that. Well, he's never, he's never spent any money, but their wages are... F- four or five million quid, you know, the players that they've got, which I don't understand because when you employ the best players, you don't need to go and buy in because it's the best players. But Plus the fact you don't build a stadium like that for nothing. Well, absolutely, and that was an argument to somebody else, where there's nobody to buy MD because they've built this stadium. But we're talking, go Aberdeen, but they're talking about, you know, would, would, where, would, where would they be without Harry Kane? And could, what teams in England would Harry Kane fit in there? Mm. And I think, and I've said to you before, and I'm sure you believe that as well, Goals win your championships. When you've got a guy that scores 129 goals in 189 games, then he could fit in anywhere. Mm. But he couldn't fit into the style of Liverpool. I think if you've got a guy like Harry Kane, you fit him into the style of yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, you do. And that was the argument. I would actually, I would actually have said that he was a, a Liverpool potential player, mate. Right. Off the top of my head. And just because somebody said to me, the way the work ethic of Liverpool, he's more an, an individual guy who goes and gets the ball and did... I says, but... Mm. You know, I mean, and, and of course, you're stopping them going to your rivals as well, yeah, unless yeah. he goes abroad, Bill. Right, well, just very quickly, I was going to say something there, and I forget what it was. Um, oh, I hope it to goodness it wasn't Hickey that gave away the penalty uh, for Hearts. Yeah. Uh, right, that's it. See you next week, son. Yep. Same time, same place. That's it for me tomorrow. I'm back this time. The week's all upside down. Jerry Collins is with me, so he'll be pronouncing whatever it is he pronounces after these night's fixtures uh, I'll see you then between 6 and 8 don't forget that Lewis is with you from Japan for the Rugby World Cup next Love music Live sport Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio Rock Sport Radio